hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. I did not expect you to show wisdom, even on your own behalf, but I gave you the chance of aiding me willingly, so saving yourself much trouble and pain. The third choice is to stay here until the end. That's really cool. What part is that from? It's from the book. I guess that, but what part of the book? Well, it's it's from the Before the Wizard's Jewel. It is... um, Gandalf explaining oh, Saruman's perfidy. Yes, I do. I do reckon. I, can, I, as you, I don't know what it was as you were reading it. It wasn't making any sense, but now I'm rereading it and it makes total sense. So that was a very silly. Thing. Yeah, it's because in the in the books, it's uh, yeah. Saruman offers Gandalf a number of options, and uh, the third option yeah, is to stay. I've just read it to myself rather than listening to you read it. So that sounds like I'm, I'm complaining about your uh, your delivery. Um, but um, no, I just... Um, uh, I'm not quite Olivier. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it myself and I totally get it, but because you read it in a way I'm not used to hearing it, at a pace I'm not used to hearing it, I was thinking, oh, that's how, just made it, it just shows, doesn't it, how differently you can make things. Anyway, anyway, um, so yeah, but people wouldn't, who haven't guessed from the title of the show and, um, and that we will be uh, discussing the Wizard's Duel later in the show uh, along with other things. So... Coming up, we have our usual many meetings, and Dan and I have probably got plenty to talk about, all the stuff we've been doing in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then we have a very special guest on. We have Damien of um, Battlestream's Middle-Earth fame, most recently, and many other things he's done. So it's first returning guest, I think, maybe. Um, he's on to discuss coming out of the hobby closet, um, a topic sort of inspired by an article he did in his first SBG magazine um, about how um, how he sort of dealt with being a, a young hobbyist and how he reacted when other people maybe called him nerd, etc., etc. And we we all suffer that at some point in our, in our lives. I don't think there's any gamers at some point haven't um, at least been called a nerd, whether they felt it or not. So we have a, a quite a long, big discussion about everything to do with um, how geek culture is is um, perceived by others and how we feel um, when other people maybe look down on us and, um, and how out we are in our own lives um, about our hobby and, and when we came out in our lives about our hobby. Um, and then... <laughs> And then we have a, um, a a second main topic um, because it's Christmas and because we're only able to put one show out this month. Um, we are we're going to discuss the Wizards Duel game, which um, which is in the latest White Dwarf, which is White Dwarf four five eight. We play it and uh, review it, um, and then we have as usual a heroic death match. Um, I'll leave you guys guessing which that what that might be. You won't guess. You won't guess. Um, and then um, we will be closing the show out and letting you all go. So uh, we'll come back after the break. And and we'll discuss many meetings. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk 
Income Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. Hello, and we're back, ready for many meetings. Um, feels like it was at least 15, 20 minutes ago since we did the intro, and that's because it was. We've been faffing around as usual. How how are you, Dan? How's things been? Yeah, not bad. Um, seems to be one of those things where everyone's going, considering this year. 2020 seems to be the, the year of doing well, considering. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been all right. Um, don't know what to say to that, really. It's just more of the same, isn't it? I think the same thing. There's been lots of stuff to enjoy we're going to cover, but uh, day in, day out, it's not too, It's not particularly exciting. <laughs> How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Just, I think, very similar to last time. Very busy. Um, it just seems everything, even, even though I, we can't really be going out and seeing anyone, it still feels just as busy as it normally does this time of year, and I think that's just, um, uh, as much as I always plan to not have much work over Christmas time, there always seems to be something or other that comes up, which means I still end up working closer to Christmas than I intended. So I'm working hard a lot at the moment, trying to get lots of work finished off and uh, um, trying to find time for personal projects, as we will we'll no doubt discuss later when we talk about what we've been doing. Um, and then there's just, you know, choosing presents for kids and buying presents for kids and wrapping presents and answering questions about what should we get for this person and that person and doing just all the stuff that comes around Christmas time, writing cars and things. It always feels busy to me. It feels like uh, when you sit down in the evening and you think, ah, finally, kids are asleep. It's 8.30 now. Put my feet up, watch some telly or do some hobby and it's kind of, there's something to do. Um, but these are very, very non-problems. Just just busy, but it's nice to be nice to be busy in that sense. Nothing bad at all. Um, luckily for me. Um, okay, so we're going to have a bit of a kind of a, a mixed mixed bag rather than going straight into um, what we've been doing ourselves. Um, we thought we'd, um, we'd, we'd talk about some, some news. Um, the first bit of news was, well, I'll let you talk about this more, Dan, because you were watching this live. I didn't get to watch this live, but uh, um, we won some stuff, didn't we? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, existing listeners may know what Battle streams in Middle Earth. Uh, we've mentioned them. It's uh, Damien and Steve. I'm not sure we've mentioned uh, them before, who, to be honest with you. We should probably give people a full rundown of what they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, yes. Um, basically, I was watching along, uh, I think it was last Friday now, um, painting along. I thought I'd be painting some Middle Earth, painting with Radagast. And um, yeah, our names are drawn out of the hats because we are Patreons. Um, since those of us who have been uh, Patreons, well, even up to the day, people were still joining the uh, the Patreon channel and therefore eligible uh, up until sort of, you know, 20 minutes before they did the draw. Um, all of the names were put into a receptacle of some description. I can't remember exactly what it was now. And, uh, yeah, three winners were drawn for three differing uh, prizes. And uh, myself and Stu were both pulled out of the hat, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Fix. I think people are calling fix. I, I didn't. I couldn't watch it. I was. I was wrapping presents. I remember messaging uh, in the group beforehand and saying, oh, "I can't watch live tonight. I'm, uh, I've been commandeered to to wrap presents, and I don't think the wife wanted it as as background music. We we had to have some music on, and we were drinking old wine and stuff while we were doing it. It was nice, but I don't think um, my wife would have enjoyed listening to to Stephen Damien talk about SPG, and I would have been completely distracted. So I wasn't watching it. Um, There's not I, a lot of talk about SPG on there. Let's be honest. No, this is true. This is true. But um, it's hard, it's a hard sell to uh, um, to when you're wrapping presents to to ask whether you can have a stream on the big telly. Um, so I just sort of just went with it and thought I'll catch up on Monday when I'm at work, so to speak. Um, but um, and I didn't know you 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 kept it secret from me. Um, they let me know when we 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 appeared on a 
on a on a stream on on Sunday. Um, well, um, before we get back to that, let's let's do it in chronological order. So, we won some prizes, which are fantastic. So, what do you, what was it you um, what was it you won? Well, basically, they announced what the prizes were going to be, um, but we were also given the option or cash value because, to be fair, they were going to order them for us yeah. directly to our houses to save on the shipping. Why wouldn't they? Um, so, I, I won nominally uh, the. Um, when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, Legolas mounted. Yeah. Uh, but I did trade him in for Gothmog, um, which did cause Damien a degree of consternation. I picked an orc over Legolas. <laughs> but, uh, Is that the foot mount set, that. was it? Is that the, the foot mount set? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, good, um, good to, to go with your model. Yeah, good shout. Yeah, because I, I want to get back on with that, um, even though I've been distracted heavily, as we'll come to. Uh, yes, I won that. And I did also win the. Because everyone who um, paints along uh, yes. in battle streams, who's painting called theme of the week, which in this case was anything Christmassy, and there's the closest thing you're getting to Santa in Middle Earth, really, or Hobo Santa, bad Santa, <laughs> is, is Radagast. So I painted Radagast, and it was enough to qualify me, and uh, my name was drawn from that yet again. <laughs> um, so I've got a special uh, battle streams in Middle Earth dice coming alongside my Patreon dice. So I'm well set for the hopefully lots of gaming I'm going to be doing for next year. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um well I um as I said I was my my announcement was 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 well they they announced to me that I'd won it when we were on a stream with them on Sunday night, which we'll talk about in a moment. But um I won the top prize that night which was uh, a set of the, uh, the the metal scouts from the same non non mate order um limited run thing. And I like you um changed my order to something else me i don't need the scouts i've got plenty of plastic ones and i wouldn't want to get something limited that someone else might might be wanting um especially things that once they've gone they've gone so i feel a bit bad sitting on them sitting on them in a box and we're not using them so i um just got some uh galandrian knights i think i think i've talked about it on the show before that I painted up Haldir and some plastic ladrim for the Helm's Deep um, game we're going to play at some point in the future when COVID allows. Um, but I decided at that, that time when I painted them that, well, I might as well turn it into a small um, Lothlorien army anyway. And I've already picked up Galadriel and Celeborn and, and Armored Celeborn as well. So I knew, knew I needed to add, add an extra couple of things. And a box of knights was going to be one and the other was at some point is going to be the guard. So I thought, well, £25 for a box of the, box of the knights, that's close enough. I'll, I'll go for those and then Damien very kindly rem- reminded me I had a bit more money to spend so I got one of the lovely new painting handles as well which I'm holding in my hands now because my uh, my stuff arrived today um have you my, seen... my uh, postage people aren't quite sufficient as yours even, <laughs> even though I'm closer to Nottingham I don't think it has anything to do with it it's all about no. local sorting offices and things isn't it have you um you got one of the new painting handles or held one of the new painting handles uh, no, I've seen them. They are supposed to be better. To be fair, I've never even known the old painting handles. Uh, so I've got at both. the risk of people throwing rick, like rocks at me. I've I've got a Rathcore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I, I've I've got five of the old ones. I don't use them for everything, but I use them for sort of characters and things. But I don't use them. I'm a bit OCD, as probably covered before. Um, and if I was going to paint a unit of twenty models rather than swapping the models over, I'd have to own twenty. So I've just avoided it. Uh, but I do use them when I'm doing character models and things, and I'm spending a bit more time. Um, so I've got one of each in my hand at the moment, and it's definitely a nicer looking thing, and it's a bit lighter. Um, but it's quite it's smaller than you think, <laughs> um, um, and it's a bit narrower at the top. And I'm not actually sure it's more 
comfortable. I think when you hold it in one position, it probably is a little bit more comfortable. Um, but if like if you're like me and you turn it in your between your fingers to spin the model round, it's actually easier to do with the big ugly old one than it is with the with the new one. I think because it's a bit that if you're turning it between your forefinger and thumb to spin it round, you've got a bit more control with the other one. But that's just just me. I can't. So I'm undecided whether it's in improvement. It definitely looks nicer than the other one. The other one's really ugly. Um, but maybe it's just got used to it. But the other one, I feels like I've got a little bit more control with holding it. But both are very very cool. Um, and then. Uh, mini review aside of the painting handle thank you very much to to damien and steve um i'm I mean, well, i'm sure the same for you i'm a patron because i want to support what they're doing it's a every fortnight of of great positivity uh, i love being in the patreon chat and things i didn't he didn't do it to uh to win any prizes um obviously it was but it was really nice to uh, have them pull out the hat and get some free toys so Never say no to free toys. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, same, I just do it because I'm getting more than a fiver's worth of entertainment out of it a month. Yes. By a mile. Yeah. It's probably it's probably one of the best hobby things about my 2020. Yeah, I it's, agree. To a degree, it's, it's somewhat saved a lot of my hobby in 2020. If I wasn't doing this and I wasn't doing, you know, battle streams, I'm not exactly sure what place I'd be in hobby-wise yeah. this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think I knew the level I went in and I'd get some dice and that was that kind of helped me decide which Patreon level I'd go in at and because dice are cool, you know. <laughs> Everyone likes yeah. to collect dice and I've got dice from the podcasts I've listened to before, including my own podcast, and I don't always use them in games either. Some of them just go on my kind of memento shelf along with, like, you know, we use certificates from things and mugs from this yeah. event but and things like that. build houses out of your last stuff. I've actually got a couple of <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't order those last ones. That was my uh, my co-host at the time that clearly couldn't read um, and, and ordered absolutely... What are they, 20, 20 millimeter ones, were they? They're huge, they're uh, too big. I think they're bigger than that. I think he was inebriated when he... <laughs> It must be. It was always inebriated, so it was a good chance. Um, but anyway, that was a that was a, that was a lovely thing. Anyway, and I didn't know anything about it. I think Damien messaged me over the weekend and said, "Have you watched it yet? Have you watched the show back?" And I said, "No, not seen it." And then before we go on to us appearing on uh, a stream on Sunday night, um, I, ha- I want to talk about Harry's amazing um 24 hour stream and we definitely need to talk about because because you, you were on it as a guest i couldn't make it because i was child wrangling all weekend um and the stream was sort of ran from some saturday overnight over saturday didn't it until sort of sunday morning and that was yeah, the worst the worst time for me if it was sunday evening i could have been on it if it was friday evening i could have sorry if it was saturday morning i may have been able to squeeze it but it was just at that point wife was working or out and i was or and i was just home alone with the kids i just couldn't get couldn't get time to go on it so i had to leave you to go on as a guest on your own uh, but i'll let you talk about that in more detail all i want to say is i've watched some of it today when i was working um and he, he did such an incredible job of it um he, he's so calm and relaxed and and very constant throughout the whole thing i'd have been dying completely after about four or five hours um i'd find that very very tiring just just being on the camera and having something to say for for that long and he, he seemed like a natural and it was very entertaining and there's some fantastic guests on there and a, ma- a great range of topics as well and it presented really nicely the overlays it's just really really well done and the most important thing was for a fantastic cause which was um a uh, a food bank charity um and so 
I, I donated um, the next day. I, I I couldn't really watch any of it live. I think I watched three five-minute chunks before I was interrupted by some child asking, I say some child, one of my two children, asking for food or drinks or, you know, something like that, um, something important. Um, and uh, so I couldn't just couldn't enjoy it at the time, but I am enjoying watching it back while I'm working. So I'll sit on my desk today, painting away, catching up with, with stuff, and I'm halfway through um, Steve and... Um, and Damien drunkenly playing a game, I think, um, on, from the Saturday night. But anyway, you were on the show, so I'll pass over to you now. You can talk about what you what you what you said. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, I actually had a more opportunity, luckily, to um, watch it. There. So I watched uh, quite a sort of chunk of the different guests he was speaking to. Um, a lot of it was very, as you said, very different viewpoints, different topics. Um, there was something for everyone, um, even the bits that aren't traditionally more my draws for the hobby, talking more competitively, etc. was all really interesting because I do enjoy hearing other people's perspectives on the game, the hobby, the community, whatever. Um, it was really good. And it was for, again, I, I donated because it's for a fantastic and very worthy cause. And I think um, it was, I think last time I ever looked at the counter, it was about £1,400. So that's phenomenal. So, you know, wow. Um, wow. big well done to Harry. Big well done. That's amazing. I think it's still open as well, actually. So, well, it's about 1200 when I put money in, and I think it just ended then because I was, um, what was it? I was, I think I sent a message to Damien about something on the Sunday morning. He said, You're not watching your, your, your co host live on stream at the moment. It's like, No, unfortunately, I think I was watching Arthur Christmas with the, with the boys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I thought, oh, I'll go and log on again and see see what see if I can still catch you and that was one of the five minute sections so I didn't hear a word you said because I was on my phone and the kids were talking but I could see you on there and then and I think Lockie joined at that point um, but I, at that point I went on and clicked the link and made sure I went and donated and at that point it was over 1200, 1200 quid so it's just just brilliant stuff I can't imagine doing 24 hours I think 12 would have been a, a push <laughs> but 24 was I've been part of a 12 hour stream which we did one of the heresy um a group of the heresy podcasts all get got together and did a a, a few years in a row did a was that tradition yes it was just yeah muscular dystrophy um to Shane um hosted by um um one of the Swedish um heresy podcasts and then everyone kind of got involved our group and it was a really really cool thing to do but I was only I was one of the guest that was on for an hour there's no way I could have dreamt being on for the whole time managing it and then they did it for 12 hours and they sort of dipped in and out so what Harry did on his own anchoring those those full 24 hours is no mean feat at all absolutely fantastic the benefits of youth I think because um, <laughs> people actually took photos of him at the beginning of the end yeah. there's not a lot of difference no, I saw those pictures go up in the group I just can't even entertain it I mean when I was younger maybe I think I think Maybe it's because I'm on to my um, sixth year of, of parenthood and uh, the last sort of um, more than a 20 months of it, I've had two kids and um, I probably average over those two years of sort of around the five hours a, a, a night sleep and the thought of, you know, doing anything like that just makes me makes me want to cry. So, yeah, may, maybe that will be definitely for the younger people. Um, but, yeah take nothing away from those absolutely fantastic the money raised and, and i will at some point probably be monday now before i get to watch too much more but i'll get around to hearing what you said um <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time a lot of people have actually seen me at least seen me move. 
Yes, um, and heard you because I'm not talking over you all the time like I am now. <laughs> well, um, is yeah, obviously I, I've not appeared in any of the uh, our sister YouTube channel stuff, mm. so uh, I, I'm not one for generally putting my face out there like that. So um, yeah, it was um, really really good fun. Um, I really did really really enjoy it. I got to talk about stuff I was really interested in. Um, there's some really uh, engaging and interesting questions that came from people involved in the stream. Mm-hmm. And generally, it was just nice to talk about something I enjoy, i.e. hobby, uh, with someone who's raised, talked to and personable, Harry, for a really good course. So you, you can't say wrong, you know, anything bad about that. No, not at all. Good. Not at all. Absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to catching up with anyone that hasn't, um, hasn't caught up with it yet. So if you, um, so it, it was an Entmoot um, 24-hour stream, but that was hosted on Harry's um, YouTube channel, which is Battle Games in Middle-Earth. There's a lot of confusion around. It's not Battle Streams in Middle-Earth, which is Damien and Steve. Harry's um, longer-running YouTube channel of Battle Games in Middle-Earth, if you search that. And it's split into four videos now, I believe, because you have a limit on how much you, how long you can uh, go live for on, on, on YouTube, I think. So I think it's in four videos. There's a couple of seven-hour ones and a six and a four or something or other. However, they divide it up. They're not fully equal, but they're all, all available on his YouTube channel. And I've been, as I said, I've been working my way through some of it today. So after the, the the excitement of Harry's twenty four hour stream, we'd we'd already arranged to play a game, haven't we, online with Damien and Steve to do a doubles game so that we could tick the yes. box off on Hobby Bingo. Um, and then Damien messaged us at some point. I think it was Sunday morning again. I think around the same time as you you were coming off your your stint and the end of that, saying, "You guys got any objection to us streaming it?" Um, they just thought, well, we might as well stick it out as a stream. And we're like, no, not at all. Um, so the, the, the original goal um, was to you know, for all of us to tick off doubles game, which got very hard because of COVID on our hobby bingo. Um, and um, yeah, well, we went online um, about 9.30, wasn't it? And we, we yes. had, a, had a bit of a chat and we played, what was the scenario? It was the Hunts of Mork one from... Um, uh, journey book, wasn't journey it? book from, two towers journey book wasn't it yes um the hunts and walk scenario so it was steve and damien took control of aragorn and gimli and legolas and we were lots of um sc- were scouts uh, essentially trying to stop them get off um a board edge um and they beat us very easily yeah we, we do the meat bags <laughs> we, we, we put on as lambs to the slaughter it's only, we the game lasted about I don't know, about forty minutes or so. And we had some chat either side of it, and it was really, really nice. Um, really a nice, fun. nice short stream because we had to get off, and then we talked for about an hour afterwards, even though we all had to get <laughs> off. Early. Um, but it was. Steve was going to himself, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because he drinks loads of lager in a cold, cold garage, doesn't he? You're going to, you're going to need a wee, and and I, I think Steve's closer to my age than yours quite comfortably um and you get to our age um you, you need a wee a bit quicker you, your blood is not quite as good um he'll, he'll he's know. gonna be raging at the, the, the speakers for that i bet steve's up in the night you know i don't mean in a good way i mean at three or four o'clock in the morning that oh i gotta get up and go to the wee um it, it hits you it hits you at a certain age anyway um yeah, it was loads of fun, wasn't it? Even though we got an absolute, um, absolute smashing. Um, it was narrative. That's fine. It, it, it was. It's, and we murked Legolas. So that's all good. It, we did. <laughs> we did. I don't think there was much more we could have done. There was maybe held back 
for one. It's hard, quite hard to position when you can see it online, as as you well know, for playing games. When, when we play them together and I'm filming it, it's quite hard when you're looking on a screen to sort of see where to position things. But there isn't, that, that wouldn't really be an excuse. I think it's a tough matchup anyway for the for the for the Uruk scouts. Um, but it was that's not the point. The point of it was to have fun. I think it's a game that's designed most of the time for the the, the heroes to win, and um, they're definitely a lot better players than us as well. <laughs> so we any little mistakes we make with positioning and things will um, will come back and hurt us. But again, wasn't the point. It was loads of good fun. And um, yeah, we, we they streamed three nights in a row because they they did the battle streams on Friday. They were a guest for Harry on the Saturday, and then they streamed on 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 Sunday night. But it was nice to be part of it. And if you haven't um, seen it already, if you head over to the battle streams in Middle Earth YouTube channel, um, it's obviously now up online, so you can go and watch watch it as a, as an episode. And it's probably about an hour and a half, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, maybe not even that. Maybe like an hour and fifteen or so. But yeah, go 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 and watch it. Um, you can hear us chat a little bit and watch the game we play. It's cool. Right, and we still don't crack on with us talking about what we've been up to in our own hobby because we've got another announcement to make. So back in episode 24, which was our anniversary episode, um, we set up a competition. Um, and it was basically, we just we just had a new logo designed, if you've uh, not listened to that episode. So we were, we were one in in November. Um, we had a new logo and we thought, well, Let's let's get people to pimp the show a little bit and, and share that episode to places and basically say, listen to this podcast if you haven't already. And when we go around spamming it everywhere anyway. so um, And then we will give people a T-shirt. And we, we set up a T-shirt store, which probably next in the new year will go live anyway, won't it? Just for anyone who wanted to buy, heaven forbid, wanted to buy a T-shirt with the Out of the Frying Pan logo on, um, would be able to do so. Um, we will share all the details and the links of that store when when it's when it's up and running. It's one of those where they print the t-shirts f- for us essentially, um, yeah. and you pay them and they send it to you, and then we get a very small percentage kickback. It's in the future. Um, if we get enough um, demand for it, we may look to do some kind of pre-order thing where we um, we get some made bulk and post them out to you. As it stands, though, we're not sure people would want that, so we thought we'd go through this. And it's a way for us to get our own t-shirts printed because we might well order one from. I'm going to order one for myself. Um, um, but we thought for competition winners, we'd do something that that not anyone could buy. So we kind of you turned the logo gold, didn't you? And made it into a special oh, a special logo. And this won't be something that people can buy on the store. And we may well give it as a prize for for future competitions. Um, so it's like a competition winners T-shirt um, with a special gold logo. So we have the names of the people who who shared that episode. Now here's a lesson for you people: if you want to win stuff enter because there's only six people who have shared the episode in order to enter um for the competition so um if you were thinking about doing it and thought oh, i probably won't win well the odds are pretty good odds are pretty good that you'd win so dan you're going to roll a d6 at least you've made at least the people have made it easy for us dan you're going to roll a d6 and we'll uh, we'll see if you won oh and who so, do we have as then what number have you rolled a number three. A number three. So that will be, and this is an Instagram handle, Fifth Godsmoked. Um, I feel we we should probably know this person. We, I've, I've chatted with them and commented on photos and things and looking at their Instagram. A lot of heresy as well. A lot of heresy I on feel like I ought to know that person. So if, but, but do we know that? I don't know. I don't know if it's someone we've met or you more likely to have met them at an event than me. Um, There's a likelihood I'm going to be mortified when someone I know quite well turns around and says that's yeah, me. Yeah, it could be someone that's been to one of the Gino events in, in, 
from Channel or something, and maybe it's someone I've met before. So if we do, we we should know you. I'm sorry, it's just because you don't have your real name on there, so we can't be sure. I haven't seen any photos of you of you on there, so how would we know? Um, but yeah, you get in touch with us. If we don't hear from you in, in by the new year, we'll we'll send you a message anyway. But um, get get in touch with us and give us your details and what size you need and your address essentially, and we will get it ordered and sent directly to you. Um, from um, what's what is the, the company we're using? I can please Redbubble. Redbubble, there we go. So it's Redbubble, and um, we will get the T-shirt sent out to you. And then at some point in the new year, maybe our New Year show, which will be um, sort of middle of Jan time, we'll uh, we'll start talk. We'll share the link for the for the the um, store. So if people do really really want a T-shirt with our logo on, they can go and buy it. I think that, I don't know how much the T-shirts will be, but having run them before for my previous podcast, the you know like a a twenty pound t shirt, we'd probably get about two quid for it. So it's not it's not we're not we wouldn't be making money on it really. It's kind of um, a way for you guys to get some merch and um we get a tiny little bit of money which would would pay for, I don't know, a tenth of the hosting per month for a t shirt or something <laughs> like that. Not not much, but it's it's any any little helps in that sense. And we and as yet we don't have any intention of running a Patreon or, or, or any kind of donations kind of thing. We, we, we're quite happy funding it ourselves at the moment because we're not doing too much. Um, um, and it's not knocking anyone that does do stuff like that. That's always just the way we feel personally about or what we're doing. We don't want to ask you for money as yet. Um, we never we know in the future. Just the right quality of uh, stuff. For... <laughs> yeah. We don't <laughs> think what we produce is good enough to really ask people for money. And we don't. We also we want to keep it easy for us. We don't want to feel like we're committed to um, deliver shows on a, on a particular date. We have target dates, but if they don't happen, there's, there's, there's no pressure on us. We just haven't done it, if that makes sense. But as soon as we start going down the, the route of patron and things that we'll feel that we we owe you as listeners or definitely the patron listeners to to deliver something on time each month and um life's busy and hard sometimes might be for the future but right now it will be very much a, a voluntary if you want to help us out um then you can buy, buy yourself something nice and we'll get a small kickback from it but that'll launch in the new year so after all that dan what have you been up to hobby wise since we uh, last spoke well, you've somewhat set me up for a fail fall there because it's not. Um, I've, well, not a lot of MESBG and even the stuff I haven't been doing it that is, you know, even non MESBG stuff can't actually talk about at the moment because I've been painting a birthday present yes. and I haven't got it yet. <laughs> so I can't say anything. You've been working if- very, very hard on it and it is awesome. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I can vouch for you that there's you've been wanting to paint some some other stuff for a little while, but you've been working, you're putting your heart and soul into this thing. So um, that and I had a gammy eye. You <laughs> did have, you did have a gammy eye as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I couldn't I couldn't paint for almost a week, which you know, there's probably people playing very small violins out there for me. But when you really want to and you yes. can't, it's really blooming annoying. Aside from the natural worry you get in the small afternoon, going or the morning rather, going. Wonder if my side won't come back. <laughs> because over <laughs> yeah. the yeah, some some days when you're sitting there and you, you're stressing, about, if if it permanently damages my eyesight, will I ever be able to paint as well again? Yeah, and it is something that you know it was a worry. But I was being a bit of a big girl's blouse about it because it's fine. Um, but <laughs> you know, uh, so that took a sort of a week out of my painting time, and then I've spent the the vast majority of my time painting. Uh, said birthday present and uh, i don't want to put it because even though this may not come out for however many days um there is a chance you know if things go wrong the, the individual might not have uh that present by the time they uh 
this exactly. Stuff. It's not. It's it's not um 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 SPG related anyway, is it? No, no, it is not. So uh, it's of very very little interest to anyone else anyway. Uh, okay, uh, but I have I have been painting as I alluded to earlier. I've been painting Radagast. Have. The Radagast model you sent me, the the not so special edition one, <laughs> and so far I have painted his face, uh, his beard and hair, and like the rest of the skin, i.e., pretty much his fingertips and some shins for some reason because he's wearing short trousers, and uh, I've painted his hedgehog, Sebastian. So that's as far as I've got, even on you know even the amount of time spent on it. But I am putting a bit more effort into this uh, fa- fancy fellowship. Yes. And so far, I think he's looking pretty good, even if I do say so myself. He looks awesome, and you're enjoying it, so you take your time over it. That's what it... For a plastic a... model, the, the sculpt on it's absolutely mental. It's really good, isn't it? And, um, yeah, and just, it's nice to be able to take... We've talked about it before, and it's really nice to be able to just take your time and, um, and enjoy taking your time as well. Not just take your time, because you have to be not, not feeling any pressure, because you've got to get... 20 of a unit done or something like that and it's one model on its own on your on your Rathcore painting handle and just take it take your time and enjoy it no pressure yeah yeah I'm very much enjoying that I've got some other models to, to be added on so Legolas and Tauriel will be the two models I paint next yeah um, I've got the uh, they reissued them I think um, the, the resins they're fine cast but the, these days it's not such a bad thing because I needed Legolas with Orcrist yeah so I've got that coming, and I've got some spare bows from the Galadrim and stuff. So neither of those models actually have bows on them, right. but they should have them in their profiles. So those and add a few bit of green stuff and stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I've, I might need to do that on some of mine actually. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying that. It's it's a good thing, and obviously we've um, had uh, the battle streams in Middle Earth Fancy Fellowship video that uh, Damien and uh, Mr. Thomas Macklin have released, which have been amazing. Really, really good. The um, sort of set little set pieces that sort of frame them, sort of, uh, sort of got some uh, voice talent in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do play, love playing the guessing game of who they are. Um, obviously, I, I, it's not been officially mentioned, so I won't comment on. But anyone who listens to a few of media's from MESBG will uh, recognise <laughs> a few voices out there. Yeah, which I'm, is really cool. I'm pretty convinced on one of them without having to think too hard. Um, but uh, yeah, it's cool. It's definitely cool. Yeah, um, it, the, the level of quality on it's fantastic. You can tell it's a real labour of love. You, you can tell that uh, you know because I know that Damien's doing the majority of sort of video editing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he's he's slogging his guts out on this because he genuinely does care. And it, it's come out in the quality, and you know, fair play to it. And I've enjoyed both of them. He released uh, the second one today. And uh, I had that one in the background while I was at work, which was nice. So that, that made a, a rather dull day a lot a lot nicer. So in this year of years, it's uh, nice to have that kind of thing to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I've so, not had a chance to watch that one yet, and I'm just looking at my weekend and thinking, so I want to watch it properly as well. I don't want to watch it when the kids are around sort of thing, while my phone while they're watching telly. I'm thinking, Ugh, I'm probably going to re-watch it because I had to take a couple of phone calls. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to. I'm enjoying that. They go. They're going on the big telly. Yeah, it might, it might be an evening thing once once the kids are in bed or something. So it might be Sunday night or something. We'll see. I've got a painting to do as well. We will see. But I will watch it in the next few days. Um, it may well be Monday when I'm working because I can kind of 
I'm doing some building models at the moment as part of my work, and I can watch quite well while I file stuff. So um, um, may well be Monday, but I, it won't be too long before I watch it because I'm quite excited. It's quite cool to watch. Be careful you don't file it away under all tension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's generally been a lot of what I've been up to, watching things like that, enjoying the streams, enjoying. There's been some fantastic content that's going out there. Um, been doing a bit of reading, um, rereading some of the history of Middle Earth. Which is quite ah, good. Yeah. But I'm uh, sort of cherry picking uh, Ball of Sauron is the section I'm reading. That section, I think that's book nine. Uh-huh. I don't think um, I, I don't own all of those and I really want to get them. Um, I, I, mine are well loved, let's put it. I think they're, they're a being, bit ratty. Are they being re released next year? So I follow the Tolkien page on Facebook and I'm sure I saw a post about them being re released. I like the. There's. There's a style on the on the latest releases. They've all got the same Alan Lee artwork. Yeah. The same cover and they've got the they got all of his artwork inside and they've sort of been going back and re releasing it, but obviously not re releasing the new ones like um um Fall of Gondon and stuff. Those these came out in the same style, but um I'm Yeah, I think I've from Pick them all up. Was it from Baron and Luthien or from Children of Huron? They Children of Huron, I think, was the first in that style because I I, I got that for pa- in paperback actually. Um, Christmas years and years ago, and I recently replaced it as hardback. And you, but you still in the paperback, you still get the color prints. So I've yeah. I, I've ripped my book apart. I didn't rip it apart. I just sort of bent the spine and removed all the pictures. And they're lovely. They're like postcard quality. Um, at some point, I will scale little frames put them on in little frames. I thought it's already they're properly nice. printed on white, white paper. So if anyone out there wants a copy of Children of Huron, which isn't falling apart, it's just got a creased, um, slightly creased spine without any of the artwork in, um, then let me know and I'll post it to them for free. So um, give me a shout because I've got it sitting there. I've got the hardback edition now. I don't need the don't need the little one and I and I listen to it probably more than actually pick up the book and read these days so I've got it on Audible anyway so if anyone wants a free copy of Children of Her and give me a shout and I'll get it posted to you it just doesn't have the, the art um, prints and, but anyway so I was I, interrupting myself the, um, the yeah the artwork and all those styles I'm pretty sure that they're releasing History of Middle Earth in those same styles next year I might pick them up then because all of my be, um... it'll be pricey I imagine as a box set but it'll be well, lovely for collectors. What is in these days? Yeah, I'm trying I, to get hold of the blooming um, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit in 4K. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't get them for love nor money at the minute. No, that doesn't support. Oh, we can, oh God, yeah. Um, so I'm tempted to pick up the Hobbit. You can get the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the same style. I think at full price, I think it's 75 quid for the, for the four books in the little little. See, I've, I've got the Alan Lee versions of them anyway. Uh, so I don't not exactly the same, ones. but the, the full Ellen Lee illustrated that all matches and stuff. So I'd like um, them to match my my children of Huron and my um, my Fall of Gondolin and all that. those. Yeah, I'd like that. I'd, li- I'd really love to get everything in that style. And they probably just sit on my shelves. To be honest, with you. But it's just a nice set to have. So I may well um, pick up the the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit um, little box. At some point, Amazon will do a sale of that, and it will be. 45 quid or something and then I'll snap it up um, they, they're pretty good with things like that so at some point that will drop um, it's just not one of those things that they're likely to put on sale uh, which is something likely to be such a, a, a Christmas gift so to speak um, but um, the history of Middle Earth if they, I might have got it wrong it might be something else um, but if that's 
if that's what's coming out next year. That would Some be mighty number of volumes as well, so that will yeah, be expensive. Yeah, I might be wrong. It'll I might nice. have seen something else. It might be something else I've seen, but I'm pretty sure that something's being re-released in that style next year. It could be I'm releasing right. chunks of it, because there's certain like Lost Tales and stuff, Maybe. parts of it. Maybe. I don't know. I think it was the history of Middle-earth, but it, it could be... Could just be unfinished tales bottled up, you know, bank with a couple of other things put in there. I don't know. I saw something and I was I've forgotten now. My addling brain. Um, anyway, I'm interrupting you, but it just it came. It made me reminded yeah. me when it when it when it came up. Yeah, so I'm I'm just rereading that because you know it's nice to keep my head in the whole uh, Middle Earth universe. It's, it's definitely where I'm I'm sort of at at the moment, which is really nice. It's not just my hobby, but I'm I'm really on that Middle Earth train at the moment. Um, Outside of that, I've uh, bought myself some new brushes for hobby, which is nice. Nice. What do you go uh, for? Uh, what I always buy nowadays, Rosemary and Co's. Uh-huh. Just Series 33s. So I just, I, I'll just do a bulk and I'll buy, you know, three or four um, ones and twos. Yeah. Each size. Um, and that's it. That's, that's pretty much all I'll ever use. I mean, I've got some Windsor Newton Series 7s. Uh, I've got... You know, a couple of GW brushes and some of their sort of artificial ones, which are basically Series Sevens anyway. Yes. Um, I've tried Broken Toad. Um, they're okay. I just prefer Rosemary's, and that's fair enough. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get on with Army Painter because I don't like the. Um, you know, they've got the triangular style brush yeah. handles. I don't like it. It doesn't feel natural to me. It's weird. I like their. Dry, <laughs> I like their dry brushes. I don't mind them for brushes that are going to mess up. Um, I like you. I've used Rosemary and Co's for Series 33 for, for years for work as well. I have recently started using Broken Toads and I prefer them. I think they're slightly better, but there's not a lot in it between any of the top brushes. I think if you get someone, you get some, some painters in a room that use higher end brushes, and some will say, What's the ones from Element Games? And um, how are they called? Artist Opus. So the Artist Opus. So you, some will say you'll swear by Artist Opus. And I, I, at some point, I'd like to try the dry brushes because they look really cool. Yes, so, I've heard some very good things about the brushes. I need to speak um, to Steve about those. So I know he's know he's know he's used them. I'm as far as I don't know if it's true. I've heard that the Artist Opus are made by Rosemary Co. Anyway, it might be wrong, um, but I've heard some people reviewing them say that they're very similar. So that would make sense of how we why we both like Rosemary Co. Um, and then Windsor Newton series and, and, and then Broken Toad. There's a, there's a few companies that are in that kind of same kind of area, um, close close on price. So Rosemary Co. a little bit cheaper. Um, that um, I think a lot of it just comes down to the individual painter and what they prefer, the feel in the hand, etc. Um, at the moment, I really really enjoy my Broken Toads, um, but um, there's not a lot in it, and I'm very happy to pick up Rosemary Co.'s. I actually think I prefer the handles on the Broken Toads. They're just a little bit bigger. Um, See, you're holding I, them all I, day. Um, it just stops cramp a little bit more. I, I suppose, yeah, we, we paint differently. I prefer the... Um, you seem to get a better like paint load on the 33s for me. Uh, okay. I found that um, I found the, the I, broken toes have got more bristle, so I get more paint that way, but I suppose it's how, where you want the load, isn't it, really? Yeah, because obviously... Yeah, I do a lot more uh, sort of glazing. I do a lot of freehand. Yeah. In the, um, for freehand, the way that the brush load works and the way it draws is better with the 33s, but... Uh-huh. Much of muchness. I've seen people do Very phenomenal things with yeah. brushes. They're bought for two pound a pack synthetics from yeah. Hobbycraft. So, well, they've got a lovely point synthetics in, until they kill. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but... use them all for um, doing oils and stuff. And yep. Yep. I've found myself occasionally using them for other things, just blacking things out and stuff. And they... 
Yeah, they're fine, and they just don't last as long. They're definitely, if you're happy to um, throw them away a lot more, um, and then you can use very cheap brushes. Um, as long as they form a point, it's all about forming a point, really. If, you, if they can yeah. have a point for more. Although, as, as you go further, I suppose it's the way they release paint as well, because if you're doing a lot of long, yeah. fine lines and highlighting and stuff. Yeah, my, that's my, a whole other subject it is it is especially day. yeah brush care we can talk about brush care because i use quite a few i've got three types of stuff i use for my keeping my brushes clean i've got the little your, your master's uh brush preserver which is your soap which i wash almost between colors and then i've got this um arbitalung um 502 stuff which is magic gel for brushes and it's blue stuff and it smells a bit like blue men's hair gel from the 80s um, <laughs> um it's um but it's great. It smells lovely. Maybe so, that's what it all is. Maybe that's what they've is. done with all the hair gel. But you, you put it on when you finish you, using your brush and just form a point um, and then just wash it out before you start the next time and it just helps keep keep the point. And then it does have this magic magic potion stuff by the same company as well, which um, if you do get a lot of paint in the ferrule or they're just a bit gumped up, you can leave it soaking in that for a short while um, and then rinse it out and, um, <clears throat> and and you're good to go. Though if you're a brush licker like me, make sure you rinse it out really well because it is rancid. So rancid it makes your tongue go numb. So I, I probably knocked a couple of years off my life by forgetting to do that. <laughs> uh, much the same. Um, I know when I was time to change my paint water, let's put it that way. <laughs> my cat drinks mine. So I don't know if your cat drinks yours. Uh, no, <laughs> but she'd probably give it a good try. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, we've got quite a few tangents there. It's good though. It's good. You see, you've you've done more as usual. You've done more than you think you have. Probably, yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's uh, crack on, and uh, you can tell everyone all the amazing things you've done. I've probably done less than you. Um, I haven't. I've been doing a little bit more work on the Moria goblins. Um, and it's a good thing we changed our um, our kind of order of show plans because I think this show was originally supposed to be the first of the Moria shows um, and, and doing a balanced tomb and um, I wouldn't have had everything painted in time. Um, it's just uh, obviously painting a whole Moria Goblin army essentially now is what it's turned into is um, not something you can just knock off quickly and because I've just been so busy I've just lost or not had long periods Some, I think back in October and November early November I felt like I could have four evenings a week to myself to do whatever I want and since sort of halfway through November and the beginning of December it feels like I've, I've like one evening of a fortnight and it's just made it a little bit harder so I'll, I'll get them done ready for the middle of Jan when we when we do the next show but it's um I, I, they definitely won't be done before Christmas I've got half a hope that I'll get them done before the end of the year but I don't really need to in terms of my hobby bingo I've already painted my my army so to speak on that um so I've done a little bit more on them but not loads I've um I did paint the Saruman for the for the Wizards Jewel which we have coming up later in the show I didn't want to use a plastic unpainted model it makes no difference because it's just me and Dan playing it but even for a game like that I wanted a, a painted model so I cracked open my um, plastic set built them all um, did some basic airbrush layers on everything even some some um, pre-shading on, on Grima um, and, but then left it at that really I got the white airbrush layers down on Saruman on the mounted version as well um, but then I've put him aside along with Grima and I won't paint those probably until after I've done all the Uruks that I need to for our Helm's Deep that'll be right at the end of that army um, but I finished um, 
Saruman off. I painted his base as if he was inside or flank as well. It won't quite match when he's on the battlefield, um, but he's only a dismount, so to speak. So I thought that if he's on, if I play him in a standard uh, match play game, mountain version, I'll uh, do a horse on a normal grassy kind of field or something. So he won't fully match, but hey ho. And I did the planter as well, so we had the proper planter to, to um, go in the middle of the, the game board. But we'll we'll discuss that game later on in the show. Um, but that's the only painting I've done. I suppose it's only been two weeks since we recorded as usual, and I've finished a character model and done a little bit more towards an army. But I would have really would have hoped originally to to paint all of that, um, all of my Moria goblins by now, and be working on my Balrog or something. Um, I had a few new things arrive um i uh my gunderbats <laughs> have, have arrived um and i've done an unboxing and that's gone up recently so if you listen to this or you may have come across that already so i've done it it's only about six or seven minutes long but i did a quick unboxing and put that up on our youtube channel um and then i um i bought some something from deep cut studio um it's a and did a little unboxing for that as well. It's not directly SPG related, but because I unboxed the um, the river sections that we used um, in one of our scenarios um, for Quest of the Ringbearer from Green Stuff World, I thought there was a bit of a, a cross-reference and relevance to it. So Deco Studio do mats, rubber-based sort of neoprene mats, but they also do some terrain, which I wasn't aware of. Um, they do, do t- two types of road. One's a stone road, one's a, a, an earth road, and they actually do a river, which I may have picked up other than the Green Stuff World one. You basically get a thin six-foot strip, so it's probably only about four inches wide. Um and then two kind of semicircles, which you cut up to, to um, perform. You know, so you've got different angles to bend the river and roads. Um, and I ordered, I was talking to uh, one of the local SPG players who um, also plays other games and things as well. And um, he he sent me a link, said, have you seen this? Because he bought some of the river after seeing our unboxing. He's seen this stuff, it looks pretty good. Um, and he wanted to buy some for um, Black Powder, which is Warlord Games Napoleonic's game. Um, yes. and, and Matt and I have been talking about playing it for a while and I have, I won't go into it in detail but I I have picked up a second game Dan, I have bought some uh, some some 28mm plastic Napoleonics to play Black Powder as, as a very much a secondary occasional thing, I'm not going to be going to events or anything but yeah, I'm, a, I'm a long <laughs> Yeah, you said that about this um, no, I don't know if I did actually, I don't know I don't know, the thing is with Black Powder it's um, I'm, just, I'm not really interested in getting involved in the community in a really big way to be honest with you it's because i love i've loved napoleonics right from uh right from sort of 16 or even younger reading sharp and things and uh, it comes up a little bit when we talk to damien you'll hear about that later but it's always been a, a bit of a passion of mine and i've uh, i like the game and he's playing he said oh you know pick up a few bits and it's cheap it's really like really really cheap um so i thought well i'll buy some bits and i bought some i bought the rotis and in that really primarily but it may well make its way onto an spg table so, but i've done i did an unboxing of it and shared it on the um on the youtube because i thought well just because i don't plan to maybe use it for spg doesn't mean it's not useful to to any war gamer really so it's up there for people's viewing should they wish um, other than that, I've had my I sent off my secret Santa. Obviously I won't say what's in it because people say that you're not supposed to say who you're. Um, you're not supposed to put your name on your secret Santa. Mine's gone overseas. I don't mind saying that it's gone overseas. And it says, "Do not put your name in there um, and um, sign it as SBG Santa." Um, and when you send overseas, you've got to fill in a customs form, so your name and address is on the front of that box. <laughs> so he's, it's kind of uh, there's not really any way around it. You can't not fill in the customs form. Um, so yeah, 
I booked the online and booked my ship by postage online. I just sent overseas customs form and all. So all they need to do is look at the box and they'll uh, they'll know it's from me. Um, but yeah, I sent that off. I've received mine, um, which is quite cool. I didn't know it was. I I thought it was a work parcel. I get parcels nearly every day with stuff for clients in, and I was waiting on quite a lot of stuff for a current work I was doing. So I just opened it up thinking it was that and um there were sprues sitting on the top so someone sent me a um a fell beast which is quite cool and a big box of um um celebrations so um if that's i don't know if it's a listener or not if anyone knows they've sent that then uh, thank you very much um but that that's it really um i don't think i've done much else is right i mean we talked a little bit let's talk a little bit about the um 4k movies um because there's quite a bit of discussion in the patreon chat wasn't there about for for battle streams in middle earth so i haven't bought the 4k movies yet not because they're out of, not because they're, they've sold out everywhere just because i haven't got a 4k player um and i won't have that until i can um, get a ps5 and they're out of stock everywhere as well um <laughs> So that'll be something for next year. So I'm planning on buying them. And I think there's a collector's edition coming out, isn't there, as well, um, at some point next year. And I'm kind of holding out hope that when they bring out the collector's edition that if there's anything extra on the DVD, then I'll want the collector's edition. If there's no extras on the DVD, then I'll just probably just buy the the editions that are currently out of stock. As long as it's well, got all uh, of the back Apparently the, the box sets, the, the red calling available, don't have any of the special features. Really? That's I've been reading some reviews. Yeah, I was reading. I say I've been lotting a lot of YouTube reviews of these. See, aside from the quality, and we'll come back to that because I think that's a positive thing. Um, that surprises me for the price they are, um, and it you know it, it wouldn't worry me too much because I wouldn't be getting rid of my my standard definition or my Blu-ray copies um, of them because I want to keep them as a collector. So and. And they're clearly only in standard definition anyway. The extras, even on the Blu-rays, so they, they, you know, I've I've got them twice over already. But I think when you're buying the extended editions, I'd, I'd like to have those extras in in the one place, so to speak. Um, so that that's that's disappointing to hear. Um, so that would may lead me more towards the 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 collector's edition, whatever that will be. But that will all depend on the cost as well and how much extra. Because as much as I like knickknacks and collector boxes and stuff if there's no actual extra content on any of those discs then i'll likely just buy the others depending on how flush i am at the time because it was out in the middle of the summer it's not near a birthday or something like that for me because my birthday's in january i i struggle to justify spending all that money i'd probably rather spend it on toy soldiers if that makes sense so it'd have to be something really cool but if there's some extra behind the scenes footage that they've dug out and there's got to be some or extra scenes that they put in there even if they're not fully finished as, as things you can watch then I want to own it because um, we know there's we know there's stuff out there we know we know that there was a scene when they came out of Moria which you can watch on YouTube but it's, I don't think it's on much of the extra I don't know there's stuff out there we know there's stuff in, on reels of film that's been cut from the films that the actors have talked about that's not on the extras and if they dug some of those up and it put some extra extras in then i'd have to own it um so that would mean buying that only for them to come out in, in disc only version <laughs> christmas or something like that um but um yeah interesting aside from that though quality wise i think we've most of us who are listening to this show will would have seen the the comparisons in terms of images online and things um it looks pretty good doesn't it well i've not had yeah, anyone I mean, say I'm, I'm it's a keen not amazing. aficionado of- 
it depends um, whether it's a, a full 4K native scan of the 35. Right. It's a digitally upscaled 2K. Okay. Because um, the thing is, if they do it natively film, they've got to redo all of the CGI again because the CGI is not present on the film. <laughs> uh, See, so I'm hoping that... Um... It'll still be, good, because there was like a teaser video, like a five-minute one from, from with Peter Jackson talking about it, wasn't there? It was on, mm. went up on YouTube, and I only watched it the once. But he was talking about he was there involved when they were doing it. And I don't you don't, you can see him sitting on the couch while they were doing this upscaling work. But I don't know how long he was there or what process. And that'd be interesting. That maybe that could be an extra on the on the future DVDs. That just the process of them doing it, talking a little bit about it. I mean, was it, would it be worth waiting for just for an extra ten minute chapter on the extras? I don't know. It'd be nice to have, but I I won't be buying the special edition if I'm honest with you. I've got enough things to dust. Yeah. I don't need knickknacks. I'll, um, I'll wait and see. If it, it's all about whether there's extra footage of any kind on there, anything to watch, um, and the cost. The cost. We, you know, I'm saying what I'll buy and don't won't buy, and I have no idea what it will cost yet. Um, and that mm. will become have a big factor. And if it's five hundred pounds or something like that, and there's a few little collector knickknacks in there in a nice big presentation box, um, and it's done in a way that I not going to want to get the dvds out easily to watch it then that might not be practical especially if there's no extras in it so like i keep saying but we will see um, i'm just i don't know holding out hope that they might have found some extra footage from somewhere to to celebrate the the the, the, the milestone of 20 years yes uh, there's a potential for it i'm definitely going to pick these up um i mean to be fair actually if you buy them for the going rate is rather than the rrp i.e 75 pounds yeah for each set that's pretty much the going rate per movie for 4K. You're looking about £25. Yeah, I suppose. Movie yeah. when they come out. So although initially it's horrifying, it's it's about the going rate. I definitely want them, if anything, for the sound, because there's so many films I've um, yeah. watched again in 4K when they've had the opportunity to really pack that sound in. Yeah, it's, um, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned that before, but they've upgraded the sound as well, and it is, it is noticeable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, getting them when I can. Yeah, see, well, what we're talking about, so I own the films, the extended films on Apple. Um, I bought them, so I've always got access to them on my phone or iPad. So if I'm stuck anywhere, I've always got always able to watch them. Um, and I've got a decent size iPad. I've got an iPad Pro, which is a pretty good screen. Um, and in many hotel room, I've, I've, or you know, on a flight or something, I've watched the films. Um, and I didn't realise until I happened to go into my Apple um, on my iPad that they they upgraded their films. They've added with a lot of the new software updates. It's the same with the new one on my Mac as well. They've up they've added a 4K section to um, Apple TV mu- movies. Um, and then what they're doing is basically giving you free upgrades to 4K of films that are, are now out, you know, what were HD films now out in 4K. Now, it's all a bit weird because Unexpected Journey hasn't upgraded, but my other five films have upgraded to 4K on there. Now, I'm not going to get full 4K because the screen resolution on a iPad Pro isn't going to give you that. It gives you essentially 2K, um, but it does give you um, the... Dolby Atmos for your for your headphones. Um, it's compatible with the iPad apparently. It, sh- it shows it as a symbol actually on the on the movie on on Apple TV. And um, regardless of how that compares, it's nowhere near going to be as good as a really top end um, Ultra HD 4K um, player and TV. 
but there's a really noticeable difference just from the iPad version, just watching it on that. The sound is incredible and the picture is definitely um, noticeably clearer and better as well. So I haven't watched them all. I've only watched about half of the fellowship on it, but it is, it's better. And for not paying anything, um, it's quite nice. And it's a bit weird to get stuff for free these days, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's very it's odd. It's not a YouTube album anyway. I haven't checked it on my, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked it on my phone, um, but on Apple TV on my iMac, that they're not they're not there they're only available in hd still even though there's a 4k um tag or tab so to speak and when i click on it they're not available there for some reason those versions are available to watch on my ipad definitely in 4k apart from unexpected journey and i bought all three of bought both all six films in two chunks i bought them as truly trilogy buys like 45 pounds for a trilogy or something on on uh on mac years ago on apple tv sorry so i don't know i don't know why one's not um and, and some are um i don't know why it is on my ipad but not on my imac because I, I was talking to you about it wasn't it? i'll watch it on my imac because my imac's definitely 4k um and i opened up apple tv i'm going to do it again now while we're talking about it and see if it's changed i opened up apple tv and clicked on the 4k tag and it just wasn't there and i thought oh okay so i can only watch them um on my ipad which is which is fine to be fair because i'm not really going to sit at my desk and watch films on my mac that much um but yeah i've just checked again now so if i go to 4k hdr section on my um on my library on my um apple tv i've got um minions apparently is now in 4k not purchased for me uh, along with the secret life of pets which wasn't purchased for me honest and talking the movie so i can watch that in 4k on my mac fair days i mean to be fair i'm watching minions in- oh, i love that movie yeah it's a good film well just it seems to be that in 4 it seems to be the only things i've got i don't buy a lot of films on apple because well, there's, there's cheaper places to buy your films to be honest with you um, but if I go into my movies I've got all six Lord of the Rings extended editions and as I said on my on my Mac, on my Mac it's just on standard HD along with um, the original Bashki Lord of the Rings Tolkien, Mad Max, Road Warrior Secret Life of Pets and Minions um, that's all <laughs> I've got um, <clears throat> so I don't know I, I, I might do some research into that and do some digging around and find out why I can watch it in 4K on my iPad but not on on my iMac um, but maybe it's because it's mobile only they've given you a free upgrade or something like that I don't know um, sod's law <laughs> yeah, yeah just just because I could have just because I could have watched it in 4K stuck my headphones in fact I've got a nice big office chair I could have wouldn't always watch films like that but could have stuck my headphones in and uh, led back with a beer and watched it but apparently no um, anyway that's me rambled on for far too long um, right let's go for a break and we'll come back with our lovely guest Damien and talk about coming out of the hobby closet the hour grows late, and Blandalf Grey Plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, Blandalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter, we must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. 
or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. Hello and welcome back. And we're here with a special guest, our first returning special guest. Um, welcome, Mr. Damien O'Byrne. Hello. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize I was the first I think, returning. I think you are. If she's returned, then. <laughs> <laughs> Then sorry, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thanks for how, how's it going? How's things? It's good, very good, thank you. Very good. So, it's been quite busy at work at the moment, but this is quite nice chilling out now, having some nerdy chat, and um, yeah, getting on, getting on. We've been putting the world to rights, complaining about children and supermarkets, yes, and, and uh, yeah, absolutely. TV channels and late night TV channels when we're in our younger years and all, all good yeah. stuff and stuff. Simpler really... times, simpler times. <laughs> Very much. I think anything was simpler times than, than this year. Yeah, than this year. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've already mentioned in the intro what we had coming up on the show, but just as a bit of a reminder, in case anyone's cut straight to this point, desperate, looking at the time sounds desperate just to, to get Damien in their ears. Um, we... <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we thought uh, we'd have Damien on to, to talk about our out of the hobby closet um, segment, uh, <laughs> partly because um, Damien partly inspired this, really. So um, uh, I was it's probably a couple of years ago now reading issue one of SVG magazine, um, and Damien wrote a lovely article in there about uh, um, sort of coming up with how you, how you balance telling your friends about your hobby and whether it's anything to be ashamed of and experiences in that way and i read read through the article the whole time going yeah i can i can i can i can remember quite a few of the, these experiences and and share sort of similar thoughts on it and i thought it's quite an interesting conversation because i think most gamers um in one way or another have to go through um, some Mickey taking maybe even if it's sort of friendly joshing um, or hide things from certain friends and things I just thought it was a good topic really so um, we uh, chatted to you ages ago about it and sort of we said we were going to do it well we finally arranged to um, and here you, here we all are so um, so I mean before we kind of get into our own experiences and things um, I thought it would be a bit of fun really to talk about why we think why we think wargaming is something to be ashamed of for some people obviously we don't think it really is something to be ashamed of but uh why 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 is it do we find it embarrassing has anyone got any ideas because i you know when you actually break it down it just seems a ridiculous thing to be embarrassed about but i did i've I've done a because at work i'm a a university lecturer and i've done a few guest lectures on a on some modules called uh there's one called like cult media and identity it looks at kind of cult groups of fans and stuff things like goths and emos and and sing-along groups and and kind of you know um traditionally weird fan groups essentially um or you know not they're not weird are they but you know groups that people would think of as being weird and um yeah indeed and um i do a guest lecture on it i do no i do two actually about um about war gamers and so i've i've had the pleasure of basically asking this question to rooms full of 18 year olds you know to kind of say why is this weird and sort of outing myself and what the the things I come down on is it's it's either some is it is it because you is it because you play games based on an imaginary world, or is it because you build and collect tiny little plastic things, or is it because you paint them, and they they seem to be the you know the the three things you know if you actually break it down what could possibly be weird about the hobby, those are the weird things aren't they? 
Yeah, and then yeah, what yeah. I generally do is my big de- thrilling denouement is that they, they all admit to playing, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit, so it's not the games. And then they all admit to quite liking Lego, so it's not the building little plastic things. And then they all admit to um, liking art and painting, so it's not the painting. Yeah. And then I, I basically scream at them, what is it? And then they start crying and say, I don't know. And then we all go home happy of our lives. Um, <laughs> that would be that would be my jumping off point, I guess. That those those three, it's some some combination of those in there, I think. What about you, Dan? What do you what do you think are the main reasons? I mean, you used to work for uh, GW in in stores dealing with things at quite a young age, didn't you? Or teenage sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you you end up with a. It's a very broad church. Actually, you get people from all walks of life. Um, you get people of all ages, all ethnicities, genders, sexes, whatever. And the common thing is that they all seem to share a a creative spark, I think is the best way of putting it. It's um, They're seeking an outlet for some kind of creative drive that they have. A lot of people involved in the hobby, it'll be from a competitive standpoint. And I think there's where you'd find more of a similarity between them and people who play, for instance, Magic the Gathering, where less of that arty perspective. And then you've got the people who basically do sort of showcase miniatures and there's more sort of, you know, military or fancy modelers, that kind of thing. And then there's all sort of people between. And there's people who just like the books. So, yeah, I used to see so many different people from so many different walks. But the main thing that I think a lot of it comes from is is the desire not to be seen as other. It's um, mm. certain... Uh, it, just geeky hobbies. I mean, even, I mean, most people who listen to this are going to potentially seen the the geek hierarchy larpers at the bottom for instance yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know there's certain things that are acceptable like you can really like star wars but if you like star trek well, i don't know maybe not so much <laughs> even, even within geekdom we still we do, yeah. rank ourselves don't we yeah really yeah. when you think about it it's like you know at least i don't play pokemon cards for instance you know some people would be heard to say that and there's people even with armies you know you know, 40k players <laughs> well don't play tau yeah it's yeah we all like to judge ourselves by these imaginary standards and i think the benefit of getting older i definitely think is gaining that confidence basically tell people to sling it and do what you Mm. like but even then like and one of the reasons actually after reading the uh article when i went and read the svg one and subsequent discussions with Stu, i actually had a real sort of you know sit and think about you know Think about my life, so to speak. I, I genuinely do feel the um, the urge sometimes just to be completely open and honest about it, because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do question why I'm not. So, yeah, it's, I think it's literally a case of you just don't want to be seen as other, yeah. lesser than. Um, but there is no real discernible reason for it to be lesser than anything else. I mean, it's no more tragic than knowing every player in the Premier League. Yeah. yeah at all it's not it's, there's agree. no difference you, yeah you but can, one is judged as being more socially acceptable than the other one but yeah. why you can you can be a nerd about anything you're absolutely right there when it comes to like knowing Premier League players my my wife's uh geocache is a hobby um and she's a nerd about that <laughs> in, and you know we go on lots of walks and it's much nicer when it's in the summer than it is in the winter and it's cold and she finds little if anyone doesn't know what geocaching is you use coordinates to go and find little things that are hidden generally on nice walks and things and they, they could be yeah. hidden under a rock or attached to a fence or something like that and you you write your initials and thing on a log and you log on an app and you're done and you kind of 
you, your game aim is to do as much of that as possible. So that's that's pretty nerdy as well, isn't it? But definitely would be probably considered less nerdy than than what I do. But it's, you both said some really interesting things that so. Dan, you said about lots of different walks of life. Um, something my wife often says to me when she meets gaming friends, she'll be like, they're, they're quite normal, aren't they? Go, oh, come on. <laughs> what, you're saying that I'm not for a start? Are you surprised that I've got what you consider to be normal friends? Of course, you know, gamers generally are normal from all walks of life. Yes, you find it does seem to attract people that um, use stuff for um, escapism as well, um, especially fantasy genres and things. So I think you you may well find more people from certain sections of, of, of society than others that game, but I don't. I think it is generally across all things. But I did a bit of a search, actually. It was Damien, you were talking about it from an academic point of view, and I actually searched this a couple yeah. of weeks back, and I was, I was hoping to find some papers and things on it, because I thought this could be quite interesting to read read papers and I didn't actually find anything um there wasn't really much out of, there's lots of generalized blogs about um sort of modern day geekdom and the, and the rise of it and I think that's something we could talk about a little bit later and about I think because I think it's changed I think it's pretty obvious yeah. that it's changed over yeah the last well, I mean years it, it depends so. it depends where you look like the you want there's there's a lot around about fans over, over yeah. the years like in academic circles a lot about fandom like Mark Duffett has written written a lot mm. um around that area and Henry Jenkins um wrote I think called um um uh, textual poachers that is they're kind of like fairly iconic works but um there there isn't a lot written about wargamers which is why i started um kind of looking into it and doing lectures on it and papers and stuff because it was a my, my basic argument was that they they basically claim that fans kind of you know almost what people view as obsessive fans are like the lowest of the low right and then i started thinking that you know uh, you know judged by society essentially and i started thinking hang on wargamers are like the lowest of the low so you know if we've got like the the lowest of the low fandom in the lowest of the low group of society this must be really exciting <laughs> and interesting to kind of look at quite how we get right down the bottom but it's, it Dan's absolutely right there is this hierarchy thing that people people said to me is that like where you you dress up and you run around outside and I'm like, oh god no no I don't do that <laughs> And then, you know, you sort of kind of help yourself go, you know, and I do it sort of, you know, I, I very much do it jokingly. Um, but then say it, but obviously, in all honesty, I, I love that. And I embrace that if anyone wants to do that, the very last thing in the world, world I would want to do is put someone down for it. But there's a, um, there's a guy called Pierre Bordeaux, who um, probably murdering that Bordeaux, possibly is French. And he wrote, he wrote a book in um, 1977, I think, called Cultural Reproduction and Social Reproduction. And he talks in there about cultural capital. And he, he talks about how, like, you know, we have monetary capital. Like, every, everyone has that. You know, they have, like, money that they can, you know, they, they can buy stuff with. But you also have cultural capital, which is the idea that the things you do give you your position in right. in society. You know, the things that you're interested in. And, and they, you know, he talks about things like education, you know, personality, speech, skills, these kind of things. Things that aren't necessarily about, they're all driven by money because, you know, if you have more money, you get a better, a better education and so on and so forth. But um, it's this idea of the the way you act gives you a cultural capital. And in that, he argues that the, what we try and separate ourselves from are the people who are closest to us. Yes. To, to not the people who are furthest away. So we don't actually, it's this idea that we don't, we don't, if, if someone's got, you know, you take your sweeping class generalizations, say like working class, you know, middle class and upper class, that we don't really care about 
if I don't know if we're middle class, we don't really care about the upper class. We don't want to try and be like them, but we want to be a bit better than someone else who's middle class. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where these kind of distinctions come in in things like it's like yeah, I'm a nerd, but I'm I'm not quite as nerdy as that one. That's you, yeah. you get it. In, you get it in any sort of book, you know, like Game of Thrones, or whatever. When it came out, I was like, oh, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Oh, have you read the book? But <laughs> no, I haven't read the book. So like, oh, we're well, not really a fan, then are you? Yeah, you know, that, that kind of classic attitude that everyone has. I was just going to say, you definitely see that. I mean, there's a sort of degree of one-upmanship yeah. um, you get within any kind of hobby space. I think it's um, particularly where people, their hobby becomes a greater facet of their personality and they feel a real entitlement to it, which generally can generate a lot of negative feelings. Is why that, the whole gatekeeping thing comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, where they do try and one-up each other. You know, have you seen this limited edition special cut filmed at the back of an auditorium version of Blade Runner? No, he's not a real <laughs> fan then. <laughs> that kind of thing. It's, um, do you even Blade Run? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, if you, if you don't know that it's called A Song of Ice and Fire rather than Game of Thrones, are you really a fan? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I did read the books way back, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm any more, you know, entitled to enjoy anything than anyone else and i don't do it the right way and the irony is we should get on more it should work the other way it should be like it should help us like, sorry you like you oh you like the game of thrones books and i like the show we should get on whereas you know the argument is that actually we we kind of try and separate ourselves no i like it no i like it why can't we all just get along do we feel some <laughs> comfort that i think that someone else is worse than, than you on a list. Yeah, on a exactly. Program, That's it? exactly it. We all, and we all like that, right? However much we pretend not to. Every, I think every, there's some deep-rooted thing inside everyone that just slightly wants to be better at stuff than someone else. Thank God. That's I why you have women's magazines, do. don't you? Yeah, so like, point out this woman who's got crow's feet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I, you have, you know, you're, you're sweeping generalisation again. Women's magazines, they have women on the cover and the idea is that you buy this magazine maybe you'll be like this woman and then men's magazine have women on the cover it's like if you buy this magazine you'll get this woman and they're they're like you know yeah. it's, they're all aspirational so many of these things are <laughs> i was um, when i was doing this well searching for, for papers on it and obviously not knowing where to look because it's been many 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 years since i've been out kind of outside of academia and you working within it but i ended up reading stuff about sort of the psychology of embarrassment and it's quite depressing because Apparently, embarrassment is there to maintain social order. So it's kind of when you feel embarrassed, <laughs> it's because you're breaking. Well, this is just one person's view, but it's because yeah. you're. It's your natural way of realizing you're breaking that kind of the, the social order and, and doing things that you shouldn't be doing that the wise society to do. Which is really depressing, yeah. isn't it? It's a really depressing view of it. That well, says you feel embarrassed because you're doing other, it wrong. Like very early on, and it, I think it is that. I think it is a kind of you know, it's a throwback to. You know, we we used to do this. We we did this as a as a, as an empire. We we had we had us as the you know smart Western Europe European, and then we had the the mysterious other that we didn't really understand. And now, thankfully, you'd like to think after hundreds of years of you know losing our empire, we've hopefully um, become a little less a little less judgmental. But we just do it in different ways. We don't judge people. For, hopefully, we don't judge people for their skin color anymore. We judge people for what games they like. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I suppose those, in that sense, uh, that's colonial lobbers. Yeah, it's it is. It's post 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 colonialism <laughs> in in Middle Earth. I think. Oh, 
But it's um, no, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I found I thought that was quite depressing anyway. That embarrassment is there. It was a social <laughs> tool, but I suppose when you, it, it makes sense and that um, and being self conscious and, and and feeling guilt and shame is all is obviously all linked as well. So yeah, that's that's why people bully people. I mean, we haven't, we haven't mm. quite got round to the bullying thing, but I, I'm fi- fairly basic level. Kids kids bully people so they're popular, don't they? I think I think kids bully people so that you you're funny and you know. I yeah. don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily that they're evil children. You know, children, generally speaking, aren't evil. They're just they're trying to do what society wants them to do. So they'll, you know, I've been bullied, and I've probably been part of some form of bullying. You know, for, yeah. I'm just ashamed to say at some point where you kind of laugh at people, you don't stand up for people, and you you want to be part of the um, cool kids, don't you? And then hopefully you kind of grow out of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're safe at that point, aren't you? You're safe from the bullying itself. If you're part, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're part of it, you can't be bullied. You're not the target at that point, and you may well do the bullying because you were bullied or something as now. It's often the way. (laughs) You got me on as a professional victim. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Well, it's. uh, Yeah, I think it's. um, I I don't think there's any. I don't think we've said anything there that's going to sort of be surprised to anyone um it's all pretty logical stuff but it was interesting to do a little bit of reading around it i wanted to look at it from the point of view of just sort of from our own experiences but neatly moving on to experiences um damien why didn't you kick us off so you you wrote an article about this so um well you know link it in with what why you why you wrote the article but sort of tell us a little bit about your experiences of coming out of the hobby closet and um, oh well yeah i mean it started i actually the the article is what led to the magazine because i I wrote that and i I basically wrote it i don't know as some form of therapy and didn't didn't have anywhere to put it so ended up coming up with this idea of a magazine but i i i got into wargaming as i think i said in the last time i was on about when i was about 10 or 11 and i went to secondary school and um i was subscribed to white dwarf and i I took white dwarf on the bus because i thought that would be all right sweet sweet naivety and i just thought i'm gonna i've got I, you know it was like year seven i haven't got many friends yet certainly not on the bus to school this was like a private bus you know so it wasn't for the public do you know what i mean yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know how well this stuff travels anymore or if people still do this but we'd get a coach in the morning that would drive around our town and pick everyone up and then take them to school essentially and um i, I read white dwarf on it and then one day it's white dwarf on it one i've actually got it i'm holding it in my hands now i am um, i got out to see if I could still smell the tears. And um, it's White Wolf 181, and there's a massive Warhammer battle report in it. And um, I, w- I would have been 11 on the bus, and someone from behind me grabbed the White Dwarf, and they uh, they took it to the back, and they started screaming um, nerd and sado and loser and such. And um, eventually kind of got chucked. It did re- get returned to me, and in the in the middle of the centerfold was a big blob of uh, chewing gum. Um, that has then, I've, I've got it here, and the paper has been like kind of ripped apart from it, where I where I had to take the chewing gum out of it, and it was I learned a very important lesson about war came in that day, you know, <laughs> and I was like, well, that that was weird and unexpected, and then you, as an eleven or twelve year old, you start trying to process that and sort of go, well, this is something I like now, so do I do I not do this thing I like anymore, or do I um, do I have to hide it better or God knows I won't bring my 15 quid army book on the bus, you know, and all, all these sorts of um, things that you have to have. And then that, that was kind of my experience at school. And obviously, as, as I will find that I didn't, um, 
I didn't have a particularly hard time at school, to be honest. I don't want to paint myself as a victim. And I think as I as I grew up and I got a bit I got a bit more popular, I wouldn't say people accepted it, but it certainly um, it certainly became. I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't really bullied for it, but I think it was because I was burying it. You know, I was hiding it. Or maybe I became friends with some of the people who would have bullied me for it. It's hard. It's really hard to tell. I don't know. But um, it's also a bloody long time ago, so um, I don't really. It's hard. It's hard to remember. But I remember very, very much once being in the library and having an army book, and and two of my mates saying something like, "It's all right if you want to read it, you can." Like I feel like I can really clearly remember that sentence, and I feel like I might have pulled it out. It was the Vampire Counts Army book, the first ever Vampire Counts Army book, and I think I pulled it out to like look at it because I was excited, and then put it away when I saw him or something. <laughs> and then these two guys who were all right, you know, were mates or whatever. Went, no, you can look at that. I was like, oh, brilliant, oh, thanks. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah, it's but um, I did used to. I I used to. I I didn't have many friends in the first couple of years, and I used to sit in the library. I used to sit in the library at lunchtime, um, and break time, and and read White Dwarf because um, no one could no one could hurt me there. And um, I realised I've just actually segued into a completely different article I wrote, I think. But I ended up being in the library and meeting a mate. Some boy came over, White Dwarf 190 or something. It's the one when Necromander launched. And he um, he leaned over my shoulder and he went, what's that? That looks cool. And um, I thought he was about to attack me, you know, <laughs> saying, what's that? But um, he then he then became my best, one of my best mates. He got into Necromander and then we all started hiding in the library together. But became friends, and we were like ushers and best men at each other's wedding and stuff. So it's um, it's kind of surreal that the I don't know the the bullied kids kind of hung out together, I guess, um, and then you know became friends because of it, I suppose. Well, at least um, it's a positive <laughs> end to it. I yeah, think it's not all doom and gloom, but yeah. But it was def- definitely uh, if we're talking about the nineties, it was like ninety four to two thousand. You couldn't you couldn't be a war gamer at school in England. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that was certainly my experience. It was, it was. If you were, if you were saying that, you were putting a target on your back, like definitely. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It was. It wasn't an out there thing to do. Certainly, I would imagine it's similar now. To be honest with you, but you never know. The only the only thing on that is my my cousin's kid got into it, and he's now eighteen. So he he got into it about maybe started getting into it about ten years ago, something like that. And they they had a club at school. You know, I don't know if the job it was the teacher's job to bully them or something. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, like the he he certainly it seemed to be slightly cooler. I'm not saying it was cool, but yeah. he he seemed to be quite chatty to me about the fact he was doing it, and it was something he was obviously doing at school, and people knew about it, that he was doing at school. You know, yeah, and that was secondary school, so I, I think it has swung a bit. Was he just the kind of guy? There's always some kind of. I always find in a group of kind of nerdy people, there's always someone that can just completely carry it off. They've got that natural confidence that just kind of like they just get away with it and they don't get targeted. Maybe I don't know. There was always someone in a group that kind of could stray between two groups of people at school openly and and never get. Uh, maybe it's just a chameleon. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, he was he was just the odd kid, so no one dares get. Who knows? No, but I, it's. I think sometimes it depends on whether you're on your personality bit as well. So I'd be, if I was challenged on it at that age, I would have been quite shy and withdrawn about it, rather than to kind of defend it and say, you know, 
do one kind of stuff i'd probably more likely walk away and accept the admonishment of others um so maybe maybe some people handle it better at that time i say better that says like i handled it wrong or you handled it wrong it doesn't mean you did but um in a more socially successful way so to speak but it's definitely i don't remember having much choice you know i don't, yeah. I don't feel like as kids i had the chance to stand up against you know I, I don't really know what else i could have done on the bus do you know what yeah. i mean i don't think i had an option to to go no no you're the nerds the playground the playground's a cool a cruel place right you've only there's only so much fighting but you can do i think yeah yeah I definitely um, have. Uh, but that yeah, that was my school school years anyway what about you guys down about your school years with it do you game when you're at school me oh god yeah um yeah, that's very much an echo of my. <laughs> yeah, frighteningly close. Um, I'm, I'm, okay, I went through secondary a couple of years after. I was uh, 96 is when I went up to secondary, and it's almost exactly the same thing. Um, you get if you get marked off as a as a as a geek or a war gamer. War game wasn't a thing. It was you were one of them Warhammer geeks. You're a nerd, that kind of thing. I mean, to be fair. Doing Warhammer was one of the least of the things people could bully me for. There's plenty of other things to pick from. It's just, uh, you know, it was a low-hanging fruit, I think, on that tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I remember hiding in the, uh, you know, in the library in order to, uh, well, to be fair, I was hiding in the library in general. But on the other hand, I've got a reasonable vocabulary these days, so, you know, who's laughing now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, Yeah, it, it's, it's, it was very hard. It was, um, you know, there were certain things that were acceptable to like when I was a, a teenager um, you know stealing cigarettes off your mum and liking football <laughs> and um, liking Oasis seemed to be the, the things um, yeah it, 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 it's not wholly dissimilar a lot to um, what what you went through although you know before anyone gets a tiny violin out for me and I, I didn't actually have the, the, the mates in school who were into it I was very much on my own with that but yeah. the local GW was you know, because my, my, my parents live quite close to, the, to town, I could walk. Once I was old enough to go to secondary school, I was able to walk to uh, town and back on my own. And I made friends from other schools. I've got friends now who I've known since, you know, those times, perhaps younger. I mean, um, there's people in my immediate gaming group now. Unfortunately, not someone I have converted to the ways of Middle Earth, but, you know, someone I still see semi-regularly and, and game with for other game systems who I've known since those times. And... Um, Perhaps because of that, although Wargaming was a source of misery for me at school because people use it as a stick to beat me with, it was also a comfort because it provided me with friends outside of that school environment. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, a bit of both, really. It's, um, <laughs> Sorry. There, is a, there is a degree of strength in numbers, I think, when, like, when you've found your little, your little group somewhere to belong. I think that's what a lot of particularly teenagers are looking for somewhere to fit in, somewhere to belong. Um, But I think what you need to do is when you grow into a reasonably functioning adult is grow beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think some people don't, and I think that's the problem, and that's why you do get some particularly spiteful people involved in a lot of hobbies. I'm not just saying wargaming. I mean, in any hobby that's potentially been what has got them through those particularly difficult formative years, they become very, very proprietary about it. And that's where all that gatekeeping comes from. They almost like you haven't earned this. You haven't gone through the pain of doing this, even though society told you it's wrong. 
<laughs> you weren't there. You weren't yeah, there, there is. There, I think there is a degree of that. There's, there, there does seem to be this whole, you know, that whole grognard thing people talk about. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard that term, it's the name for miserable, grumpy old gamers who don't like change and don't like all these new, you know, who are these these short people? These these children getting into my game? They haven't earned it. You know, when you had to order everything from, um, you know, the back of a magazine, but you had to order the magazine in the first place. <laughs> That's, it's that there is a degree of that. Um, yeah. And I think with any kind of geeky hobby, and I mean, not just wargaming, there's the whole, everyone's judged by the worst stereotype. And unfortunately, stereotypes do come from somewhere. We all probably know or have met one of those gamers who is a little lacking in the social and hygiene skills. <laughs> Yeah. And as much as we want to say we're not like them, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, to the rest of society, we're all in the same box. It's Tom Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. And I, I think I, that's I, I, I jest. He smells fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like Rich Morgany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, um, he does. He does smell like Rich Morgany. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think um it'll be a relatively common story for maybe nine yeah. out of ten people who you spoke to who got into wargaming at that age particularly of our age mm-hmm. so do, I think, do you think Stu's going to be one of the nine or is he going to be the ten <laughs> oh, i already know the answer to this one so let's do tell it <laughs> i think mine was probably a little bit different to you dan but my when i started gaming we there wasn't so many GWs around for a start. There wasn't so I, I think that whole perception of the the group of kids that hang around in um I don't know, Nirvana um hoodies in a inside a GW um didn't really exist because I don't think that was part of a popular culture of it. I don't get me wrong, it was still a nerdy thing to do, but I don't think that was I don't think that was something def- definitely where I grew up as well. There was no GW <laughs> close by. So people just didn't really as an have aside that on that one. Yeah. Me and a couple of mates used to feel I think ourselves so superior because we used to hang around in GW on a Saturday and the rest of the kids hung around on the square <laughs> in their corn hoodies and we felt so superior. And now if you look back on it, you think, what a prat. Well, <laughs> you it, rolled dice. Come on. Well, I think the answer there is that, that it's just two different groups of people having no understanding of the other group and what makes the other group tick and what makes them happy. And um, it's a lesson for life, isn't it? About being happy with, with what you are and not judging people when they're not doing any harm. But, um, but comes of age, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, nearly not always, sadly. But um, um, <laughs> I think I think I was a bit like you, Damien. I was blissfully unaware that it was nerdy to start with, and I was, might have been a little bit younger than you when I first started sort of getting miniatures and things. I might have even been like sort of ten, I think. And then the school system where I grew up, you started high school as a third year essentially. So you have third years, fourth years, fifth years, and then you've got your two years of sixth form. I know a lot of a lot of areas you've got like a full sort of six years of high school and then your two sort of optional years afterwards. Um so I was in the final year of my middle school as it would be and I remember we had we did like a school paper at the end of term and I remember writing an article about what is Warhammer and drawing a picture and writing what, 50 words probably and no one at all questioned what it was no one knew what it was and i definitely wasn't wasn't made to feel nerdy for it like i remember when i first started high school as well i can remember taking away my fancy role play in and showing a couple of people and the initial reaction was was interest um and i think 
that changed fairly quickly, but I don't remember ever feeling like I couldn't talk about it at school. I just think I can't even remember now. But I just, I just got to a stage where I knew that some of the people I mixed with at school weren't interested in that, and if I did talk about it too much, they they were they're going to get frustrated with me. Um, so I just very quickly kind of learned to play football at lunchtime and um, talk about football and, and, and cricket. And, and I, I was kind of crossed between two groups, really. So I could hang around with those kids and get by socially. And then my, my next door neighbour was a year older than me, was my my best mate, really. And he was the guy outside of school. I spent all the time thinking about Warhammer and, and, um, and playing games and stuff with him. And so it's kind of like split two groups of friends, really. It was just for an easy life. So it's kind of bit like as we'll get on to later probably the way i handled it as an adult for a while as well so just keeping those distinct yeah. groups separate and i don't know if i made it that was a conscious decision now i can't remember i think i knew it got to a point where i was aware that yes it was something that was probably something i might get the, the mick taken out of me and it was a kind of well just keep it separate don't need to mention it these people aren't interested in it i can indulge in this outside of school and it makes my life easier by not mentioning it um there was definitely yeah. no gaming club at school or anything like that so i can't remember any single incident that would have made me kind of think about things and i do remember stuff like that embarrassing moments in my life i am the kind of person that goes back and thinks about things and you know you you're just sitting there watching the telly and suddenly you remember something embarrassing you did and i go oh i wish i didn't do that it still happens to me now but i don't have a moment like that with gaming there's not there's not a moment that yeah. kind of sticks out as a formative oh god yeah i remember that that was embarrassing kind of moment um so yeah, I just it it wasn't really an issue through school for me. It's uh, um, and I kept gaming until I sort of went on to uni. Um, but yeah, so let's go back to you, Damien, because we're kind of going through our ages. Um, when did you kind <laughs> of drift drift away from gaming? Like a lot, I think you did. Like a lot of people, yeah. you know, What was it like when you um, pressed on? To it was it, it was uni. Um, like like for so many, I am. Um, so I would have been. 18 i was still i was still buying stuff uh 18 i think was 2002 yeah 2000 lord of the rings just came out so i remember i got that for christmas with the intention of painting stuff up to you know to to play that game and um and never did so it was it was quite a quite a quick change if that makes sense but um when i went off to uni i just didn't take my paints and i don't what was interesting is i don't particularly remember being scared of uni to take my paints does that make sense i didn't i didn't take them because i wanted to hide it it was more a i don't think i've really got the space for these yeah you know or like i don't you know it was it was or maybe i was having some kind of genuine lull whereas i don't i don't want to take these you know and through that period i definitely didn't um I, I definitely didn't didn't miss it or anything, and I'd still I'd still play games. I used to play Warhammer at home, like every now and again with one of my mates, um, and pick up White Dwarf occasionally. But I wasn't I wasn't into the the hobby, and um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I I liked it. I never went off it, but so uni was never an issue for me because it, it just wasn't part of my life. Yeah. Um, for definitely at all for a few years and then i kind of started getting back into it and i, I can't remember now 2006 or something um so about five years after that maybe i um i started buying some more painted stuff so things i'd miss because i just i had no painting set up so i bought i had a huge wood elf army from when i was a kid and i bought some painted tree kin because the tree kin were new does that make sense and yeah, yeah. 
so I, I started supplementing my army with painted stuff because I was never going to paint anything. And um, so I was still kind of slightly collecting. But um, that that kind of period wasn't really an issue. I didn't really feel like I was particularly hiding anything because I felt like I'd kind of, I wouldn't say grown out of it as if I was, you know, it was a childish thing, but I had drifted away from it. So I didn't really, you know, throughout, throughout the uni part of my life, it didn't really um, trouble me mm-hmm. or anything. What about you, Dan? Did you have a break at any point? Did you have that sort of end of No, teenage? not really. Um, to be fair, I didn't go to uni. Um, I made other choices. I, I learned. I, well, I mooched about for a while, um, did the odd bit in here and there, and uh, I learned to tattoo and did a few little bits and pieces. Um, I do sometimes wish I'd gone to uni, but, you know, I made other choices. And to be fair, I didn't really stop. I... I the way I interacted with the hobby very much changed. Uh, biggest things I grew into my looks and girls was actually an option. So um, I I very much hid it. Um, if you'd have, I mean, even even into my oh, even into my late twenties, you could have walked around the house I lived in and you wouldn't have seen a single sign of it. Uh-huh. There wouldn't have been miniatures lying about. There wouldn't have been gaming cases anywhere you could see them. There wouldn't have been books or codexes or anything like that in visible plain sight. Um, Can I ask? Is that, is that like what what house is that? Is that like your? Is that like a bachelor pad? Is that a shared flat? Are we are we at um, home? What's even the... where, you know, even when I was when I was at home and you know I bring girls back or when right, I yeah. moved out yeah, or yeah. and then when I um when I lived with my ex fiance and we we had our own place, you wouldn't have seen it. It was just, dis- right. it, it, it did not exist as a, as a, I did it, but I didn't really talk about it to other people um, other than the people I gamed with already. Um, you know, even to the point when I'd like hide cases on the way to the car and then we'd just go off to Warhammer World. It is really weird. Yeah. Um, I, I carried that. Yeah, shame is the right word because it is the gift of shame that, that, kids give you for just enjoying something you you like that's not the norm and you can carry it for a long time and to be fair i still do mm-hmm. i think if i'm being honest i still do to a point are you, are you not are you not out <laughs> absolutely not no no and i think i think we'll come to that as we come to the, the next phase as the stew goes round. <laughs> um but no, um, definitely when I was sort of late teens, early twenties, I was going, you know, going out and getting wrecked on the weekends, and music became equal to possibly more than a hobby as I reached that age. Um, so I was going to a lot of gigs, and I was really into my music. And you know, it's interesting you say that because I um, I started playing the guitar when I was about seventeen or eighteen, and I was in throughout uni, I was in bands. So I think I might have done the same thing, but it's not necessarily... I I had a different hobby. You know, I had a different interest at that time. So it wasn't, you know, it was just that my free time was going going on that instead rather than it being a, you know, active choice. It's yeah. interesting what you're saying about yeah. girls. There's, there's one there's one story that I, I reread the article today ahead of this. Um, I, I, I don't know when I last read it. I, you know, I'm sure I've read it since the magazine came out, but I haven't read it in a very long time. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go back six years and sort of see how I was then and see what had changed. And there's a story in there that really made me laugh because I can still remember this clearest day that I was, I would have been 17 or 18. Yet, so I was still living at my mum and dad's house and I, <laughs> I had these shelves up in my bedroom of like my wood elves and my vampire counts that I was obviously very proud of. 
And um, there was one one summer where my mum and dad were on holiday, so as you do, you had, I had a big party, and the, and the girl I was interested in was there, and she was like, you know, you know, things things looked like they would be moving well, and we uh, progressed upstairs for you know for a kiss, I'm sure, no more. And as we went into my room, I remember her saying, "Oh." You paint those funny little figures, do you? And you know, oh. I had to work significantly hard to get the moment back. But it was there was an instant reaction from someone who knew nothing about it that it was basically the most effective contraceptive you could ask for. I think, <laughs> um, but like that was really interesting. It, it was like you know, a pro- it was like you know, there was a corpse on the wall or something. You know, it was a real kind of. Well, that's a big no-no. And that was a kind of, you know, a 17. I was like, right, don't put wood elves on the wall. You know, like that's as you're learning about girls. <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. I say who it was. <laughs> no, I think it's very true. Um, because, again, to the earlier point, you are judged by the lesser stereotype of what you do. So they're going to think, you know... Regardless of any interaction you've had up to that point, is like somewhere hidden away in your psyche is that bo infested like social <laughs> idiot. <laughs> uh, so they, they, you can revert to any point. Maybe the, at midnight you'll revert. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will yeah. say that I don't want I don't want to give away too much of the big twist, but that that girl who crucially, in case anyone was wondering, that is not Emma. Um, she actually then said, like she she went up to them and went. Oh, these these are really good. You know, like when when she then got up close, she was like, and she was like, did you, it became like, oh, you paint these? Did, did you paint this? And I was like, well, yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying it suddenly made me, you know, sexy central or anything, but <laughs> she still it was it it was interesting that it was it didn't it literally took her to be like a, a meter closer to them, and the whole thing changed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was like suddenly, if you're not just judging it, this ephemeral thing you don't really know about, but you're actually looking at what it is. I think I actually think a lot of people, even if they don't really understand the world or the game, they do ap- appreciate the artistry of it. Yeah, and the that, artistry gives it value. Yeah, it's, it's that's that's what's judged by society to have the value. It's not, yeah. you know, any of the other things like we used to teach about the kid to the kids or to the parents when they used to come in for intro games. You know, staff. You know, the way. It, can massively improve children's numeracy is, is huge yeah. um but that's not a value but if yeah. they're good at art maybe it is it's yeah. it's weird yeah i think you i think um if you just painted it going back to what daniel was saying well what is the most nerdy aspect of it i think if you just painted miniatures and you did display type dioramas or something I think that would probably be considered less nerdy, maybe than than the actual pushing them around, making pew pew noises and things. All the perception—that's what people do. Um, but yeah, again, I think you're right. Um, so the, the obviously the painters are the cool kids. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. The, the stuff that I've, you know, is, again, they're sweeping generalisation. Yeah. Is it? Are you still cool if you do it for a living? Though I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. It depends um, on how much money you make in a month and how happy your wife is about it. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm sure it is. I, I've no, <laughs> I, I have no doubt that this is what I've noticed in these lectures. The quality of what you do makes it less sad, mm-hmm. and that's wrong. Yeah, and so I've, I've 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 brought that up to people, and if you say, like, I, I do this in the lecture that you know the lectures all built around a narrative to make students feel guilty about themselves, really. Um, but 
you know, they kind of they all think it's a bit weird. And then if you show them a model, and I, I, I think I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good painter. I'm happy with what I do. I'm not amazing by any means, but some of my stuff can stand up. So you know, I pick some of the best ones I've done. I put photos up, and they, you all seem to, go, oh. And they've got, you know, I've got the, I've got models in the room, so they know how big they are. And they go, well, that's really good. And I was like, so hang on, you're, and they change, their opinion changes on it. Yeah. Is that what you now think it's less nerdy because I can paint it well? So, and then I bring up a slide of a dreadfully painted model, you know, and, and I go, so this is more nerdy. And they all kind of say, yeah. And I was like, well, that's wrong. Yeah. It's interesting. Because what you're, what you're saying is the quality of what you do has changes how um uh, how how cool it is and because if you if you make money out of it they would they would say do you, if you paint tiny little toy soldiers some people think you're a bit sad if you make your living and a mm. happy successful living by painting toy soldiers they'll probably think it's cool yeah yeah it's definitely because money money makes the world go around <laughs> it really does so by that i i can i can bully my six-year-old because he doesn't paint very well at the moment and say look you're just you're just a nerd <laughs> daddy's ba- like competitive dad on uh it was far show wasn't it competitive <laughs> 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 he's absolutely bully my six-year-old you know, look at your painting look at my painting okay. um no, that's what we're <laughs> make me feel good about myself no, i was bullied as a kid for this now i'm gonna bully it now it'll be can old you old imagine old. if he goes on to a podcast like this in 20 years you're like were you bullied as a kid like, yeah it's not my dad <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> you're worse if it's this podcast wouldn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> God. God. Oh, podcast still going in that window oh dear um so where are we up to my uni stage i suppose i um I, I think I decided that I wasn't going to take miniatures to uni because I was concerned about what people thought. I was definitely a. Mm. I, I I didn't even consider that it might be a good place to meet lots of people to play games. Didn't even cross my mind. It was very much a case of I knew I was worried about missing it, um, and I'd already started to drift away a little bit from GW stuff. And I, I was I was playing six millimeter Napoleonics at, at at seventeen. So is that more nerdy? I think that possibly is. That kind of that's definitely uh, more nerdy. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in the hierarchy. Yeah. So yeah. So so I was getting worse. So clearly clearly terrible. Um, but I was I was I know I was watching I was reading Sharp and watching Sharp on the TV. So I was interested in in, in the, I was going to do a history degree as well. And then for A level I did. My the, the big A level project I did for history was was writing about the Napoleonic Wars, and I did for art history. I wrote a big thing on Napoleonic War art, so I was kind of into fantasy and and sort of his, military history at the time. So I was I was really interested in all this stuff, and I was worried about missing it. And I m- remember taking with me a a small sort of bag of games but like really tiny you at the time you could buy a two millimeter scale napoleonic set they're basically just like look like little clumps of of infantry and i remember taking that and this is like an a5 ziploc thing with a little small rule book in and all these little miniatures thinking just so i felt like i still had some of my hobby with me and i never played it never really opened it um and I did have one friend I was in history with who um in fact two, one I didn't know was a was a potential gamer at the time, we'll come back to it in a minute, but one friend who we, we ended up talking about it and he told me that he played games as well, but he didn't really bring anything with him. And he had a like a, a 
a, a set again of like six millimeter or ten millimeter Napoleonics. They were made out of card that you folded up, and we played one game on his bed in in his uni house. Um, and the whole time was a uni. We just played the game, and that was it, really. But I was well aware that I didn't want to get involved in that at uni, and um, and I didn't miss it. To be honest with you, a bit like, like different than you, Damien. You spend your time becoming a rock musician. I just drunk too much for three years. Oh, I drank too much as well. Don't worry. No, that's all I did. I did. <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> all I did. Um, um, yeah, and, I, and my whole life was focused on the social side of it more more than mm. it should have been. To be honest with you, um, and I didn't miss gaming because of it. Really, I was just um, that was that was my uh, that was my my one thing. I occasionally did a little bit of work um, enough to get by, and and that was it. So I, I didn't miss it at the time, um, and it wasn't until I got past uni really that I kind of started to have hankerings again to, to to play I remember I shared a house with friends that uh, a couple of friends I was at uni with and, and a couple of friends that I kind of worked with at the time I have uni so it was four or five of us living in the house at different periods and one of them was Wes who I've mentioned on the show a couple of times and I can remember in the final year of uni um, <coughs> trying to him when he was supposedly doing his dissertation and he was playing championship manager um, as he normally was and then underneath his bed I could see copies of White Dwarf and I remember deliberately not questioning him about him because I thought <laughs> the magazine. Yeah, thinking he, yeah, no, it's not boy, the magazine. Magazine. Not hide under your bed, is it? <laughs> no, it, well, I didn't look too far. They, they were probably under those. <laughs> <well>. um, <laughs> this was still before kind of early access, good in, access for internet. So they definitely, yeah, well, definitely would have yeah. still been a magazine era gone past finding it in the woods so you know it would have probably been magazines there um i used to keep my pornography hidden under my white dwarfs hidden under my pornography you know it's safer <laughs> that way well it, pro- it probably in, in our household that would have probably been a safer thing to do but i remember seeing a white dwarf sticking out and i thought should i tell him that i used to and, and i think the reason i didn't bring it up was because i was so self-conscious about admitting that i liked yeah. okay, gaming i i think i was half worried that he'd turn around and go that's not mine <laughs> no yeah you don't you don't want to ask him out in case he turns you down right? <laughs> exactly so i just didn't mention it and uh, i think the first time i mentioned that i saw it was on this podcast um, <laughs> um maybe in the first episode or something like that when we talked about our kind of hobby histories but um i just i just ignored it and i i didn't really talk, I, was, I was tempted i wanted to play a game and i think when lord of the rings came back or came out, sorry. Um, that's when I was sort of tempted into, you know, I really want to play this game. I don't game anymore, but yeah. it's my favourite thing in the world, and there's a game for it. And I, I think I've told the story before. I bought it in the Games Workshop in Worcester, where I went to uni. Um, finished uni by then, but I bought it, and I, as soon as I got out the side of the shop, I hid the Games Workshop bag yeah. inside another bag. This is how embarrassed I was. Oh, cool. And it was the big, it was the Fellowship starter box, so this wasn't just a... Um, you know, just, just a smallish thing. It was big enough that it was difficult to hide in another bag. Took it home and hid it from everyone. No one in the house knew I had it. Well, it might have. They might have gone in my room and found it under my bed when I wasn't there and laughed about me. But who knows? But I just didn't share that I had it. Never played a game with it. Started painting a few of the miniatures and and kind of hid it for for years. And uh, ended up going with me for one move, I think. Um, and then when another move a few years later, I had that and I picked up some, some Imperial Guard and things as well because I wanted to get back into 40k. In the evenings, I'd go on the GW website and look at it and think, I'd like to get back into this. But I was just too too nervous within the social group I was in of coming out and saying, I like this stuff. Um, mm. And I've binned it. I remember move, just binning it out of shame. 
on a mood. It's, shocking. It's, it's shocking. It's, 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 look back at it now, it's, it's, it's pathetic. But, but again, um, far from far but, from unique, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was just that, that worried about what the reaction would be. And from, from now, when you talk to people that are a little bit older and you talk to people, there's a lot more people that used to do this than I would have realised in the, the group of friends I had. There's, there's undoubtedly would have been people who would have um, would have done it. In fact, there was one house I shared a house, uh, one house I shared some, with some mates. There's a friend that came around all the time called, oh, what's his name? Was Jake, Jake. I can't remember his surname, Oscar or something. He's just starting writing for Black Library. And I've never had a conversation yeah. about it. I don't even know who remember me. But he he came round. He was friends with one of my housemates. Um, and I would have would have been mortified if he if I thought that they knew that I like gaming. And he clearly did as well because he writes for Black Library now. So yeah. it just shows you how many people sort of keep those things keep those things quiet. Um, I can certainly sh- share your bag solidarity. You know, I'm sure my, many people have, but I've definitely done the. Oh God, I've bought something from Games Workshop. How do I get this to the car without anyone seeing the Games Workshop bag? You know, back back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> I still I still do it now. Genuinely, I still do it now. <laughs> What's the benefit of COVID nineteen? You don't go to the shops anymore. <laughs> I was just thinking, I can't remember the last time I bought anything in a in a shop like that. But yeah, yeah, I could. I would I do it now? I, I wouldn't do it now. I'm quite happy Probably with that. Not, now. No, I'd no. be. I am. I I don't know. I, I believe in my ability to not get beaten up in the street because we're games workshop pack. <laughs> it doesn't mean that some stupid kid wouldn't yell at you for it, though. But um, no, I, know, I think I'm better mental, mentally equipped to deal with it, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But no, I would. I yeah. wouldn't hide the bag now. I don't, I don't even know why I do it, and that's that's the that's, that's the stupid thing. I don't even. That's know half. Why. That's half the battle, Dan. You see, that's that's exactly what happened to me with the when I was writing the article. Essentially, I I didn't realise I was about to have this absurd reaction. Mm. <laughs> it, made, it made me question everything so let's let's go on to that then let's go into the kind of when did you sort of come out as a gamer or start gaming again i suppose that's two two parts of your story isn't it but me yeah yeah well because dan, yeah, dan, so, dan hadn't really quit at all he was just keeping it secret the whole time yeah <laughs> yeah i i played i played warhammer and then i i, I was getting a, as i was getting older so like mid-20s and stuff i was getting i was getting the inkling to play again but I just didn't have again. I didn't have the time. I really. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I'm embarrassed by this. It was just. I haven't got the time or the. I was in a. You know. I was in a room at the time, like a room in a, shed, a flat share. I was like, I haven't got the space. I haven't got a gaming board. I haven't got anyone to play with, and all this sort of stuff. They were quite reasonable um, barriers, if you will. And, you use that um, excuse quite a lot, don't you, about not having space. Then it then it was real rather than just something to annoy Steve with. Um, <laughs> I then, so I, I bought, I got, I got back into Man of War, which doesn't require much space. Um, so it was loads and loads of tiny. If you don't know, it's the, t- the game workshop's old chip games. So it's tiny, tiny models, and I, I would just play that with some of my schoolmates who used to play back in the day. Like whenever I'd go and visit my parents, or whatever, and was perfectly happy with that. And then um, that was my gaming. So I felt like I, I was into it, but I wasn't into it. You know, I was like, I would play it with friends and I had a couple of mates that I had one mate who I played Warhammer with and one mate who I played Man of War with, for example. And, we, you know, we enjoyed it and it was good fun, but I wasn't into the hobby in any real sense. And then, um, the, you know, the, the story I've told 400 times is, is about going to hobby when, when I got engaged to Emma and then we went to a hobby craft and found the big blue rule book. And she said, 
she had obviously been to my room and hadn't been necessarily utterly put off by the <laughs> little figures. And um, she said, you know, would you, this is the game you used to play. Would you like to play it again? And I kind of said, yeah. And then went, went back into it. So I aged about 28 or something. Um, and started doing it for myself. I didn't have anyone to play with, certainly. Apart, you know, I, I remember actually messaging my mate after I got the rule book back, the guy I used to play Warhammer with who really liked Lord of the Rings and saying like, if I buy into this, will you, um, will you play it with me essentially? So I've got, there's a point to it. And he said, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so that's, that's when I got back into it, certainly. Um, but I, I really, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was, what I was doing with it. If that makes sense. I didn't know where, I, where I was mentally as a war gamer at that point <laughs> in my late twenties. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. What about you, Dan? In terms of um, the, the, did had it changed as you got a little bit older? With the sort of how you share it with shared it with people around you, or were most of your friends within that kind of scene anyway? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is all just sound like a bit of therapy. Um, <laughs> no, um, working for the company probably helped and didn't help because I could be slightly more open about it, but then if it looked like the social situation was slightly tenuous, I could just say, oh, I only do it because I work there. It's a job. Yeah. So it gave me an out. It always gave me an out. Um, Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, Like a lot of my gaming group um, is also my my friendship group, my peer group. They'll now completely disown me. But (laughs) uh, no, I mean, generally the, people I talk to most are the people who are involved in the hobby. I don't have the hugest amount of what I consider my friends. I've got a lot of acquaintances who I've met over the, for the years, but the, the friends are the people who are around you the most and the people you speak to the most, and they're predominantly hobby-based. Mm. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think things have, in some respects, changed huge amounts. Um, I, I wish I could be more open with it. I certainly wouldn't. Like, I'm, I'm members of Facebook groups, for instance, but I wouldn't ever post it to my wall. Uh-huh. like ever I, I i i would like to i mean i came away from the um, article i read thinking why why on earth can't and i do find myself second guessing myself like um you know I, just before we went back into lockdown i went to gw and bought a can of black spray paint and i met with some of the, the guys my mates and uh i realized they were like oh you know should, should we go Five guys. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I went, oh, bloody hell, I've got this bag with this can of spray paint in it. <laughs> and I literally screwed this thing up so tight so it was almost, you couldn't work out what it was. <laughs> and, I, it's, and these people are ones I geek, they, they're gaming mates. Yeah. Uh, but they're not out really either. That's it. It's not for them, is it? It's, it's, for, the, it's for the strangers that you're never yeah. to. <laughs> those, yeah, are the people, those are the people who bother us. It's it's very strange because for the for the most part, I mean, since I've done the podcast, it's actually helped a little bit. I've been a little bit more open about it because I will actually talk about doing the cast and people ask mm. what it's about. And initially it was just, oh, you know, it's Tolkien, it's Lord of the Rings related and you get the eyebrow raised, you're like, oh, nerd. And then you just think, I'm bigger than you. Pack it in. Um, but then I'm, I'm being a bit more open about the fact it's for, or like, you know, a Games Workshop game based on it and you get a little bit eyebrow raise and then you remind them again i'm bigger than you pack it in um yeah i don't know i, I think I, i'm slowly getting towards the point where i can be open i mean i've, I've got to the point now where i have a you know in my living room i have a 
uh, a display case and there are actually models in it <laughs> rather than <laughs> using it somewhere to just dump stuff. Um, there are, you know, my black library collection is on, is on the bookshelves and, you know, if people make it this far into my sort of my, my happy, safe place, my inner sanctum, my home, then they will, they will see it. But yeah, I still don't advertise it very much. Don't advertise what, what I do. And I think, um, one day, hopefully, I won't be bothered by it, and I can be completely open about it. But there's probably still a little bit of me that carries that, you know, eleven-year-old shame. Yeah, yeah. It and it's like quite it. a powerful thing that kids do to each other, and it's, it's awful. And it's awful what people do to each other. And I've probably done it to other people, and that doesn't mean at all. But mm. that's part of growing up. What What about your other half? Did you? How did you break it to her? Oh, uh, she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know at that's all. A great phrase. <laughs> Break it to her, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, when'd you tell her? What is that? Is that third date, fourth date? No, fourth date? no, no. When'd you no. have the awkward conversation? I'm a war gamer, a couple of months at least. Um, and it wasn't really anywhere. I mean, we because I lived in a shared house and we had what we called the war room, which was the downstairs dining room that we, you could shut the door on it, yeah. And you could just ignore it. It wasn't there. You, you know, you might as well. Yeah, we keep the bed hooking from there. <laughs> so, um, What's that covered? Yeah, it's, it sounds incredibly tragic when you put it that way. And considering we've got a basement, which is even more creepy, all things considered. Um, yeah, it it took a while. And then I figured, ah, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. There's only so long you can keep that kind of thing secret from someone you're supposed to be spending a lot of time around and allegedly grow to trust you know and then you know the relationship grows etc cetera, etc cetera. so you, you have to have that conversation and oh, i can't remember the first moment to be fair she doesn't give a monkey she's happy um as she puts you have to it balance on, it right though because if it's too early it'll scare them off but if it's exactly. too late it's like a lie <laughs> yeah and i think and this this is telling i think it's um early her early days was like oh, if you know if you want to go away Weekends, I don't have to worry about you because it's not going to attract any girls, is it? She doesn't have to worry about me <laughs> interfering with other ladies because I'm I'm too busy nerding and they're not going to want me either. So it's uh, I think that's that's very telling. Even like even in my thirties, um, that, that that gets still gets said. I mean, it's it's all very telling. Cheek, she she appreciates um, the artistic side of more than anything else. Um, like if I'm stressed and you know, painting helps. And sometimes you're just yeah. like, you know, I'm going to watch this on Netflix, you know, this whatever thing that I don't really want to watch. You could go and paint. You're stressed. You're annoying me. Go and paint. And, that, you know, it, it's true because, it, you know, there's certain part you, you do this hobby for a reason. No one does this because they don't enjoy it. It costs too much. Who does it if they, if they hate it, if they actively hate it, you know, no one shackled oh. to the desk and made to do it. So there is goodness in it, and I think um, it'd be good to be more open about the things that make us happy. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it many times that this is a, for me, it's a really, it makes me happy, and that's one of the reasons why my wife's very happy for me to do it. She wants me to do mm. things that make me happy. Um, and it's, I think it's such an important escapism for so many people 
um, to the point where I, I, I do struggle to understand what the, the people that don't have a hobby, what do they do <laughs> when they're not working or, or, you know, doing household duties or with their kids? What do they do? And some people just watch the telly or maybe it's console gaming or something. But I don't I don't get it. I find it very, very odd if people don't have a hobby um, because it's so important to me to, to have that kind of focus, um, sometimes all-consuming focus. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think um, it's definitely a healthy thing for most people and emma was never really never really a problem with it. I, w- I was nervous telling asking her the first time so we'd we'd got together we got married in what 2011 so it was about 2008 i think i got i met emma um through work we didn't work in the same place but we worked for the same company and uh, um we got together fairly quickly and i wasn't having a great time at work and i wasn't very happy and i um kind of told her that in the past I played games and things like that and then I kind of was, I was already thinking I wouldn't mind doing this again I don't know how to how to kind of suggest I'll, I'll, I want to do it again and see how she reacts and then I decided to apply for a store manager role at GW oh, um, um, yeah I sort of said well you know look, they, you, know, you know I'm not happy at work and look they've got store manager roles um, and she said go for it so as part of you know applying i thought well you know do you mind if i start i probably have to play at games and do you mind if i pick up a game and i i, I remember pick going into the gw and picking up 40k and, and starting painting some stuff um i got an interview i just i turned on the end of the day i didn't go up for the assessment day i decided not to go because i realized they weren't going to pay what i was on at the time anywhere near it so we, we you know, I couldn't really afford the pay cut so to speak um so i never went anywhere with it i did the telephone interview etc made it through but didn't do it but <laughs> that whole process got me back into gaming because when i just yeah, it did, what, did what it was meant to <laughs> right? it, well there was, so a, was there, there was, was a little bit there was of that no in there. job was there there, there was no there, job there, there, <laughs> there genuinely was but um there was a high it was a strong element of i don't know if i'm going to go through with this because i think i already knew well aware as i was applying that they probably weren't going to get near the the money i was earning at the time and that would have yeah. been a but have been a serious discussion about whether i wanted to take that kind of cut or not. and i could have done but yeah. that's all by the by but i definitely thought but I don't mind because I want a game and this has given me the excuse to get in and the, and the fact that she didn't react badly to it and, and you know, more for her. <laughs> I've never looked back since, really. But it, it yeah. took me to probably about the same age as you, I think, 28 before I started to think about, maybe even 29 before I started to get back into it. Um, again, I had a real, real long break, essentially, all through my uni years and, and, and through most of my, my 20s as well. Um, and But, yeah, it's been it's been fine ever since in that that sort of way um at least with in terms of the the wife i've definitely not been as open with everyone else um uh, well, i feel like i might have done false advertising for emma really because but <laughs> when she when we got together i was still in the in the band phase i was playing music like a lot and i had like lots of guitars out in the place and there were no there were no models in <laughs> in my flat at the time and like i i probably look you know by my standards i probably looked relatively you know appealing rel- relatively bankable <laughs> and then basically within about two years our relationship had swapped being in a band for playing lord of the rings war games <laughs> and i'm not entirely <laughs> sure she was like well I mean, this this is not what i ordered you know um but you know to be fair to her she she rarely um she rarely complains about such things she gets annoyed that i don't write her songs anymore that's about it <laughs> I don't think Emma would let me write her songs. My guitar playing's too bad. Um, 
I um, yeah, well, it's interesting now. All the guitars and the amps—they're still here. They're the they're the war games of ten years ago. So all my like three of my guitars, I think, are in are in the loft. There's one the acoustic still downstairs, and my amps at the back of a cupboard. You know, like it's exactly it's it's like my guitar, my band stuff's now hidden away, and you know, who knows? Like maybe it will cycle out again in years to come or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I picked up my <laughs> guitar about a year ago, I think, for the first time, and I in a very very long time i don't think i played it since i've been with emma at all so she'd never even heard me play yeah. and i was very out of practice i can remember most of my chord shapes but i couldn't remember any songs i couldn't remember anything and um so i just kind of played around with it for a couple of days and then i put it away again but she was um i think she's always she's always joked that she was kind of kind of happy that i wasn't the kind of guy that whipped out my acoustic guitar and serenaded her. i think that would have annoyed her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she really realizes that i wasn't very good um but that may change looking at the present I've got coming at Christmas. But anyway, that's a different subject. Um, so what about, what about now then? So we've kind of gone through the, the ages. How do you, how do you handle it in, in the present day? So you've got your, your story about sort of being outed on Facebook in the article, haven't you, Damien? Has that taken you to your present day kind of? Yeah. So it was, it was common and Warhammer World used to have a Facebook page. Um, well, they, they do again now, don't they? But they, they have an old one. I think it would, they they changed they they had one then they didn't then they had one. But they used to put the photos up and I commented on one of them and one of my wife's friends saw it and just wrote something very good natured and I um I freaked out I absolutely freaked out this would have been um seven years ago or something and um I suddenly realised that all of my friends could see what I'd done all of my friends could see what I did and they must hate me and they were preparing their chewing gum as we spoke and were probably on their way to my house to kick me or something. And I, I deleted all the comments off the Warhammer pictures. Mm. And and I <laughs> it was literally like it was like a nineties thriller, you know, where I stopped I stopped the spread of the information or whatever. <laughs> and then sat down and I was like, Phew. Like a John Grisham novel or something, you know. And I, I sat down, I was like, Phew, I've dealt with that. And then I literally sat and went, What the hell was that? You know, what what on earth are you doing? And and I, I, I had this real, Christ, and I went and chatted to Emma, and I was, I was like, I need to talk to you about this. Like, I'm, so I'm playing this game. I haven't been back into it for long, but I'm enjoying it. And who, who's on Facebook? It's my friends and my family, and I want to, I want to hide it from them, or I'm embarrassed. Like, what on earth? Um, you know, what on earth is that? And so I wrote, I, I wrote that status that um, doesn't really mean anything, but I wrote a status saying I play war games with. Something like I play Lord of the Rings war games with tiny miniature soldiers, and I like painting them or something. And if if this is news to you, you don't know me very well. And that was like my <laughs> public manifesto or whatever, where I was like, I'm out there. But when I was rereading it, it was quite interesting because I said, I don't think it's. This is seven years ago, and I'm writing this. I said, I don't think I'm going to start posting photos of my models on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I haven't. And I say in there that it's not because that isn't because I'm embarrassed. That's because I don't think the target audience is right. Yeah. And I actually stand by that. That I'm now friends with loads of nerdy people. I know all my all my nerd mates are on there, um, but they're also on the Great British Hobbit League. So if I want to get feedback on a painted model, I'll put it on the Great British Hobbit League. Yeah. Whereas the the people who aren't in there on my Facebook group have no interest in my painting. 
So I actually think there's a sensible, um, there's a sensible reason for that. It also absolutely cracked me up because in this article seven years ago, the example I use is, where is it? I don't think many of my friends would have the slightest interest in the subtle highlighting on Tariel's face. <laughs> um, so even, <laughs> even back then, Tariel was my benchmark, clearly. Um, uh, which you know, she wouldn't have been out long. This is autumn 2014. We've only had Desolation of Smell. There's no, there's no Battle of Five Armies yet. Um, but and I kind of stand by that. So, but what I have done since then is, I, when I'm when I'm proud of something, I do put it on my public page, and I don't mean like a paint job. So when I, I've written articles for Warhammer Community and I, I share them uh-huh. on my normal page, and occasionally someone like one again, my best mate Chris, who you might know him as the guy who texts in on battle streams. Yes, he's yeah. like the he's the same guy that I used to play Warhammer with essentially. And so he's like, a, he's, he enjoys it and he, you know, he's a, he's a really good mate of mine, but um, he's just not part of the hobby. And, um, you know, he would then send me, send me texts about the Warhammer community articles, you know, saying, I can't believe you painted the Cobain with Corvus Black instead of a bad and black, you know, with, you know, and some of my mates then send me really good natured stuff like that, you know, like sort of taking the piss, but in a very good natured way. Um, but that, you know, I'll, I'll do that and I'll share those articles. And I, th- I think the, um, forg- forgive me for this wretched piece of self-promotion, but the, the Warhammer hero thing I put up, because I was like, this, this is cool. This is a cool thing that I would like to tell my other friends and family about, that I've, whatever, the, whatever the hell that is in the real world, a, a nerd Oscar or something. <laughs> and, and so I put stuff like that up and I'm happy to share that. So I'm, I'm certainly not embarrassed by it, but I still, I'm, I'm not, some some people I know still use their main Facebook chat and just just post photos of their models. You know they don't they don't have that kind of distinction. They just go, "This is my social media account. If you like me, you get models." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they yeah. they come with me. Yeah. I just um. Understand. So I'm I'm definitely not. I and and you know since then it's interesting. Like what was it August 2014? We were on the GBHL. We I think the Palantir had started. I think. Um. But you know I, since then I've been doing YouTube in for seven years and the magazines kept going and you can't hide it. My students now will periodically say to me, it's like, Oh, we found your YouTube channel. And I just laugh about it now. It's like, well, yeah, you know, it's on the internet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, it's like, I, I can't, you, you can't make YouTube videos for seven years and then try and hide it. You know, it's like if someone, your students always Google your name, it's like, it's just something that happens. And now if you Google my name, it just goes, Whoa, this dude's a nerd. You know, so I've I've had to just kind of completely embrace it. My my office at work is now it's not really war game stuff, but it's full of Tolkien stuff. Um I've got a stand of the magazine at work. I I use the magazine in my courses a lot. We do I teach like magazine design and I use lots of examples from the magazine so they all the students know about it and stuff and, and they they like it, you know, they, they like the idea that so they get to see a real world publication that's being sold and stuff like that. So um they see the value in it and I, and I, I just don't. I, I, I guess I don't give them the opportunity to laugh about it. Yeah, you know, it's like it's just there's nothing to laugh here about here, and that seems to work. The idea that you know when we all started, everyone started calling themselves a nerd about I don't know ten years ago, twenty years ago, or something. It was like if you take that back, you can't. If you take if you call yourself a nerd, people can't call you a nerd. Yeah. You know, you, you you're, take you're, you're take it back, it, don't you? you? You're you're owning it in a positive way. Yeah, exactly. And it's that it's that sort of thing. So you know, I go, I go, hello, welcome to our course of magazine design. By the way, I design, edit, and publish an independent magazine about wargaming in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like 
da, da, da. And, they, and they all go, what? <laughs> and they're always like interested. I go, what is that? And I go, well, that's Galadriel uh, fighting <laughs> off the necromancer at Dolgulda, of course. And, you know, they, you know, because they're not dreadful human beings, they, um, they respond to it well, I think. One of the differences so, yeah, between that... you on the bus and you now is that you've got control of that situation now, haven't you? You've got, you've got, yeah, I drive the bus. Experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's it's you're it's something you're comfortable with. You're at ease with. It's all the all, well, the, thing, all the things that are kind of you were unsure of your place when you were younger, and you're you're kind of learning your way in, in, in social standing and things. And now you've you know, say so you've got the tools and the confidence to deal with it. Mm. And it is all over our house. It's it's everywhere in our house. Like some form of Middle Earth stuff. Like um, yeah, um, M doesn't mind in any way. I, I don't think. Sometimes I think she gets it too much when I cover three tables downstairs with scenery and stuff. But you, you can't miss Middle Earth. And then once you come up into the man cave, it's like you know, it's the red room. You know, from Fifty Shades of Grey. So like, I, I have very special interests or whatever. Um, and you know, the, there's no there's no attempt to hide it here. It's, I basically, think if you come to my house, like <laughs> if you come to my house, you can't be surprised by this stuff. Yeah. I don't know um, too much around the house actually. It doesn't, it doesn't really. I mean, if I've got some work, sometimes it'll be downstairs for a short period, or I get deliveries and I'm opening stuff up, or I'm washing stuff in the sink or whatever. But most of the time, it's just in the <laughs> office out of practical reasons, especially with uh, with kids and things around. But um, no. my friend shared a Facebook memory the other day, and it was his. It was his little girl from I think I want to say three years ago. And she was around at our house and she was basically on this dinosaur, got this big animatronic triceratops, which I'm sure won't come as a shock to many people. <laughs> and in the background, Smaug was on a shelf in the lounge, the box, yeah. the GW Smaug. And it cracked me up and I wrote a comment <laughs> on it. So I say to Emma, I was like, do you remember when Smaug used to be like lounge worthy? Like, it was just, it's not painted. It was just the box of Smaug was just sitting on a shelf. And it's not there anymore, but it's been replaced by four wetter statues of dwarfs. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if that's better, if that's worse. You know, it's now, is it slightly classier because they're nice statues? But you've now got both a Thorin, Barlin and Dwalin on the same shelf. But it used to be a massive box of like, look at my massive GW model. It was there because and it, it, really, it really alone, made, wasn't it? Yeah, and I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about that. It qualified purely but, um, based on cost. Now the wetter yeah, yeah, qualify yeah, based on cost yeah. and the fact that they're, they are built yeah, yeah, and maybe. painted. And, uh, <laughs> Cultural capital, right? I've got a smell and some nerds um, don't have a smell. You know, maybe that's it. <laughs> What about you guys? Where are you? Um, I'm. Um, it's weird, actually. I'm. I don't think I ever had a kind of epiphany where I decided to 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 come out as a gamer. I was definitely worried about it to a certain extent in social social groups, especially with work and things. I mean, I worked for not the job I was not enjoying when I was talking about it earlier, but after that, I worked for Carven Warehouse for a number of years as, um, as a store manager and then in, and doing bits of HR and things as well. But, you know, in our, in our region of 30 stores, those regional management meetings, and a little, you can imagine some of the stereotypical salesy kind of people there. I probably wouldn't have wanted a conversation around my, my hobby. It wouldn't have been the best. I would have been uncomfortable about it in that situation. Um, but, um, so I just kept it to myself. But, um, that kind of changed when I quit that job and um, and started doing what I'm doing now. Really, you can't really hide what you do. But I think I've got a lot of friends that I've never had the conversation with about gaming. 
partly because I've kind of, you know, you get older, you move away. I've got one of my close friends from uni, so Wes, I know games now anyway, but he moved away. He lives, lives in Essex now. Another one of my very good friends, Aid, lives up in, in Scotland. Um, and we just don't get together and see each other anymore. So you just don't have those kind of conversations with those those people at the time that I, I, I hid it from, whereas my new friends are all gamers, the ones I spend a lot more time with. So... It, it, I'm not really hiding anything anymore because the people I spend most time with yeah. are gamers. It's it's more awkward family do's and things. And Emma's got a large family, so occasionally you'll you'll get people asking about the business, and uh, they clearly have no idea, and they, they can see that they want to maybe giggle but don't. So sometimes a little uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't hide it. But I don't I don't go out of my way to kind of announce what I do either. But I I don't hide it when it comes up. You know, and it has to come up, you know, what do you do for a living comes up quite a lot when you're getting a mortgage or you're yeah. doing things like that. And you have to kind of explain to people what, what yeah, I yeah. paint toy soldiers for a living. Or I get people, I'll get workmen that will come around the house to do something and, you know, I'm working from home. Oh, okay, so what do you do? And you explain to them and most people are going, okay. I remember being at a test match, being at a cricket game and, uh, and Emma, I think, had gone to the bar and it takes quite a while and I was chatting to this old couple next to me and this lady said, um, oh, okay, what do you do for a living? And I said, I paint miniatures. And she, oh, that's really interesting. And then about 10 minutes later, she's saying, so um, do people pay you to take paint their miniature portrait? And she honestly thought I meant I painted miniature portraits. I didn't really have the heart to. I just sort of went, I don't even know how to go with this. I just went, yeah, yeah, people get in contact with me when they want me to paint their miniatures. I, mean, I wasn't telling the lie, but I just thought I can't even be bothered to try. I've done that sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I've still like I've still denied it. You know, denied the hobby a few times for an easy life. I was I was in the the lift of my old flats going up, and I had four figure cases with me. You know, the big black GW ones. Yeah, and yeah. one of my neighbours was in was in the. So I was, you know, they say they say Games Workshop on them, but obviously I think I'd probably turn the Games Workshop in as we do. Yes. So it faces your leg. I know a few people um, used to paint it though in the orange and red, didn't they? So they were there. They're fully yeah. out people. And this, one of my neighbours, he's in the lift with he went, Are oh, you doing DIY this weekend then? And he thought they were drills. <laughs> and I, I looked down, I remember thinking, Right, there's two ways out of this. And I, I just went, Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed, but it's, it's just going to be a. But that's what you want to hear. And you don't want me to say, actually, these contain, each one of these cases contains 108 <laughs> uh, miniature toy soldiers that I use to recreate games from Middle Earth. You know, because we've, we've got a lot of floors to go up. Um, <laughs> I had exactly the same thing on the train to Cheltenham when I came over for one of Stu's events. Um, when I had one of the KR cases, the big, big aluminium jobs. So <laughs> someone said, oh, you're a DJ. I went, yep. <laughs> and then wandered off. <laughs> You know when you know when I did um I did the King of the Dead for Throne of Skulls, <laughs> yes. the on the on the Sunday night, um, we all went to the beef eater afterwards, and I was still in the fancy dress, and I presume because I I I, I think because I'd managed to win it or something, there was I think I don't know if they'd cheered or something, but there was there was something about me if that makes sense. Like I don't know if they'd I can't remember what it was, but for some reason it seemed like the night was about me. And at the bar, the woman went, "Is it your stag do?" <laughs> and I and I and I basically and I'm standing there dressed as the king of the dead, and I just said, "Yeah." So I was like, "Again, it's like, yeah, you don't care, you don't, you don't want to know the truth. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to help anyone here if I actually explain. Well, actually, you wouldn't believe what happened, <laughs> you know. So, so, and I, I don't feel that's like that wasn't the scared eleven year old in me, terrified of admitting it. 
it's just sometimes sometimes people aren't ready for the truth (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, so so dan are you currently still kind of not out for a lot of (laughs) 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 sounds really bad i realized the other day i was so i'd written some notes on on apple notes (laughs) <laughs> okay and i was you know when you kind of flick up to scroll through multiple open pages and emma was sitting next to me I and mean, she didn't see it but as i realized that if she'd looked at my phone at that time all she would have read was in as the heading for the notes in big bold was coming out dot 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 could have caused problems <laughs> so yeah i probably should have said the sort of the same thing but a full thing damn how, um, how to do it when to do it how to tell your spouse yes you good with these sentences at the moment, Steve? <laughs> oh, the one in the uh, chat was a, was deliberate. Um, you you say that now? <laughs> uh, I think I'm positive, probably a little bit less cagey about it than I used to be. But if I'm honest, I'm not very open about it in general. Um. Well, let's, let's be honest. Um, she's only my girlfriend. I ain't got a ring on it yet. I've got to still hedge my bets on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Emma found out when she needed a judge if she wanted to leave me. So, Well, I wasn't planning to band, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got a, as many strings to my bow as possible. Um, Does she still think no, I mean, you're a I'm... DJ? This is the truth. She thinks you're a DJ. <laughs> and every time you go away on a game in weekend, she thinks you're just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, she is, she is very much aware of uh, what I get up to on those weekends away and I'll imagine she's just as perplexed about it as I am that she sits at home and watches movies with her cats so um, <laughs> you know it's one of those things it takes all, all types of people to make a world um, no I'm, I'm, fun, I'm more open about it than I used to be I mean, I've got a, a permanent game like uh, painting desk set up I've got you know a display case I'm probably unaware of it but there's probably a few of the- geeky geek groups that are actually open public and probably there are people yeah. on my uh, facebook group seeing me posting to these groups which and i'm unaware of it so that'll be an interesting one to get caught out on eventually um i'm getting better with it i think there's certain things that become so deeply ingrained um mm. that it's very hard to get out of the habit of and i think sometimes it's not a case of because you're actively not trying to get out of it is because those opportunities to be put in that situation where you've got to make a change don't come up very often. For instance, buying stuff in town from GW, I order a lot of stuff or I've already got a bag for other things. So I'll just whack it in there because in this day and age, I'm not paying five or 10 P for a bag. If I don't have to, if I've already got a big boots bag that she's bought whatever from paints are going in there. So it's, yeah, I don't necessarily think, uh, a lot of it's an active choice. Some of it's just subconscious. Some of it's because it's deeply stuff that's ingrained. Some of it's because just the way my life is, it doesn't encourage me to make any choices. But I think I'm a little bit more open. I mean, definitely the podcasts help with that. I mean, it's not like it's got my face on it. I could, you know, potentially people could never really know what I look like as being, you know, an audio podcast. Um, but no, I think I'm a bit more open about it than I used to be. No, I, I still do. Thing with you, didn't I? I said you don't look like the Dan in my head. No, I don't look at all like people <laughs> expect me to. People often find that quite surprising. I'm six foot four. Yeah, honest to God, having now had whatever several chats or Zoom calls with you and seen you moving right now, 
you're still the first Dan in my head. You're still the. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's really weird. Like you haven't you haven't yet overtaken him. But, yeah. yeah. You know, um, anonymity. I suppose that's a suppose useful that. thing. Uh, <laughs> I am definitely not what people expect. I mean, I'm definitely not from first looks what most people consider a geek. Um, I definitely don't look like it. Well, if there is a stereotypical geek, but I definitely don't look like the stereotype. Um, not through any strident ambition to be that. Just this is the person that I am. I just also happen to enjoy painting plastic soldiers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think as as time goes on, you I'll find the opportunities to be more open and honest. I don't think it's going to be quite the same thing of putting a post up on Facebook um, as you did. I, I definitely would like to be a bit more open about the things that I enjoy because I don't think, you know, well, within reason, let's say, as long as you're not hurting anyone and as long as you what you do and what you enjoy brings you genuine happiness and what's it to anyone else what you do and people should celebrate that you're happy if they care for you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think maybe we'll all get to that point. I mean, luckily uh, you guys have and hopefully I can. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a few people in my life who can be deeply unpleasant individuals, but they also do what? <laughs> <laughs> and I love them dearly anyway. But um, yeah, it's. I, just, I don't understand the attitude of people who just try and. I, I, I realised I, I, rather than fearing these people, I, I came to have contempt for them, but the idea that anyone who would knock someone down for something they like, mm. and that, that that's a big that's a big twist, and that's just fundamentally what it is. If, if you're a nice person, then you might giggle good-naturedly about the fact that we play tiny little toy soldiers, but they're not going to be mean about it. And if they are mean about it, it probably means it's the sort of person you don't want in your life anyway. And I, I think I think of anything, like I, I try and, you know, a lot of my job is teaching students to kind of think differently and be open-minded and stuff. And I, I always use, like, music as an example. Like, there's a world of difference between, like, you know, people, there's a large faction of the world will say that Westlife are, you know, insert non-out-of-the-frying-pan uh, suitable swear word in here that Westlife are you know bleep. And it's like well they they obviously weren't bleep. They, were, they were obviously very very good at what they did um, because an awful lot of people like them and there's a world of difference between saying that is bleep and I don't really like that it's not for me but you know good luck with your life you know and I think that's that's the sort of thing that comes with age like being able to express yourself and recognise difference in people yeah. Definitely. And I think that's changing anyway, isn't it? That I know that uh, since I started playing with toy soldiers back in sort of early 90s and now the world is very different in terms of what's what's acceptable. And also I think we're more aware because of the internet that people have lots of, lots of different interests and activities and as, as computers have become more mainstream. So yeah, I think yeah. p- computers were a nerdy thing, weren't they? And then consoles yeah. came out, and then everyone had a console. And even if you, if you are not a role RPG or on a console, and you only played FIFA and Call of Duty, that still they still transcend different social groups. I'd say. Yeah. Um, so that's made it, it the many horrible stream, things it? that the internet does for kind of online bullying and hate and trolling. Mm-hmm. It's it's been wonderful for anyone with a, a niche interest because it. It allows you to find other people with that same niche interest, and wouldn't you know about? Wouldn't you know it? Probably there were two of you at the same school hiding that yeah. you had the same niche interest, who would now actually become friends and meet up through it. Yeah, and it's um, so that that's a that's a major change, definitely. 
It's become, it's in, in many ways, it's starting to become cool in its own right, isn't it? I mean, even like the rise of role-play yes. games um, yep. in the last few years with, with like Geek and Sundry yeah. on, on YouTube and some of the big channels and it's almost become trendy, isn't it? And you can see, yeah. you can almost see, and this is a bad thing probably, you can almost see that, that the hosts on those shows starting to follow their own kind of of the generally attractive people that make their way onto those shows now, which doesn't always fit with reality. It's almost coming full circle, isn't it? Well, you know, yeah, it yeah, becomes, yeah, commer- becomes commercial. So then therefore they must all sort of fit in with what we're used to seeing. It's like, your, it's like, it's like your Mac and windows thing. Like, you know, Apple was always the, the underdog who did things a bit differently. and was a bit, was a bit cool. And that, yeah. that was true up to the kind of mid two thousands. And then suddenly Apple becomes the, the massive one that everyone hates, you know, because it's, it's too popular and we can't, you know, the, What's that? You was it? You either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Two face, <laughs> isn't it? But, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like the, I think that if if I had to point at what had really changed, I think it's the it is the the public the zeitgeist, if you will, about fantasy and yeah. and nerds. And I think if it, you know, I'm talking about like early '90s. That's that's my um, era of shame and bullying and fantasy. It, that it's not about war game if fantasy is sad you know in that at that time it's it's unpopular you're a loser if you're into fantasy and all, all these sorts of things and yeah. then a whole bunch of stuff happens i think buffy is yeah. a huge help because buffy is not only kind of kind of sci-fi bits of fantasy but it also celebrates geek culture but yeah. the heroes literally hide in the library i i i felt an awful lot of affinity for buffy when i was a, at that age and they, they, you know, they're the unpopular kids who get bullied, and they become, they become the heroes. And I think that did a lot for geek culture. Yeah, I totally. I agree. then, th- I then think the Big Bang Theory did a lot for it. Yeah, yeah. Because that that was then the next level where you actually, you know, in Buffy, geeks are the heroes, and in the Big Bang Theory, geeks can be funny, you know. And I mean, they're you know, terribly they, caricatured, but 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 it's they somehow yeah. got away with it. <laughs> But they also, you've got that fourth wall breaking thing in that yeah. where they're all into things like, you know, whatever, Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and stuff where you actually start mentioning them. Uh-huh. And I think there's a lot of things like that that bring geek culture more to the fore. Yes. Um, there, was point, there was points in like the early 2000s where you could buy in, in top shops, God rest its soul, um, <laughs> you, could, you, you could buy like, uh, you know, tops that said geek on them, like in, in you know, in, in mainstream clothing stores and you could buy black rimmed glasses with <laughs> with no with just glass in them so you had you had people you had people dressing up as people with astigmatism yes. who they probably kicked in the playground to try and then look cool and it's you know madness that is um, yeah absolutely well, i think a Mar- and then of course marvel, lord, lord of the rings made it, yeah well, lord, lord of the rings, rings was a huge marvel series because yeah. you might oh god yeah that's a hilarious one that one <laughs> the kids who got bullied for comics and now everyone knows the iron man yeah. Yep. And I think that really trans- transcended into the what well, I, I hate play, putting people in groups like that, but the 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 groups that were like only like football and and FIFA on on, a, on an Xbox rather than playing one of the um, RPG games or something like that. And then it's even more now, isn't it? Game everyone watched Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. Well, that that's because of Rings. Like if you if you yes, look at where yeah. fantasy is before the Lord of the Rings comes out, you can go and go and look on IMDb. And look at their top, um, I don't know, the top hundred films, and there's there's basically no fantasy. I think all three Lord of the Rings films, I think, are in the top fifteen, yeah. and there are no other fantasy films. You get you get some kind of like historical ones. You get like Gladiator and Braveheart, 
Yeah. But I think it's possible something else is in there now. But for years, you got Pan's Labyrinth and the Princess Bride. Princess. And they were about 130 <laughs> and 250. They were the next fantasy films. Yeah, I can't. So that, I that tells you the kind kid, of, but they, they can't be high. I mean, Willow, where would that be? Yeah. About number 500. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that tells you what people thought about fantasy, essentially. And The Lord of the Rings was such a kind of complete game changer in that regard. Yes. Um, yeah. And then that is why, you know, you, to a lesser extent, you get the Chronicles of Narnia films, but then you get Game of Thrones. The only reason, you know, Game of Thrones was published in 1996. Like, the reason they tried to turn it into a film, but they never, they never did. You know, the reason Game of Thrones becomes the biggest show on TV is because of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then you get things now like, you know, like The Witcher, which is like a fantasy series, which I think is just you know, mainstream game. fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And so what was the game that came the, first? The, 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 yeah, yeah, the world eats itself, doesn't it? It goes the other way around. Um, so you, the, the opinion of fantasy is different. And so, therefore, that, that allows games based around fantasy to come to the fore. Yeah. And I, I think, that, I think that, that's the single biggest change, I think, that has led to it. Like, I just think people used, to, people used to bully kids who were into this because they didn't really understand fantasy. And now they understand fantasy, and so it's not that weird anymore. I think I, that would be my mm-hmm. yeah. change, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I can, wouldn't, wouldn't disagree. There's, there's been a lot of lot of those mainstream things that we listed that I think just have all kind of added together this kind of this big sort of change. It's just public awareness, isn't it? Of what what's out there and people understand it a little bit better. So you're right, absolutely. Console games and books and stuff have done a lot for GW as well. I think a surprising amount of people now play. You know, they they will have read a Black Library book, or they will have played like Blood Bowl, or um, I'll always get these wrong, Total War, Dawn of War, whatever it is. Um, you know, they will have played the computer games and kind of accidentally, you know, it's like, do you like? Oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I paint miniatures. Go, oh, you're such a loser. What do you play? I play Warhammer. Oh no! You know, it's like the kind of, it's like, oh god, have I, have, I've been tricked into being a nerd. You know, I thought this was just a normal person's computer game, but actually, it's a nerdy one. No. <laughs> He's totally right, though. Absolutely, I think it's definitely, it's definitely positive. I'd be interested to know, like we mentioned right at the beginning, about um, kids at school now. Whether it would still be at what point it becomes easier. Um, I, I would hazard a guess that it's still pretty difficult, sort of pre sort of sixth form age. I imagine they're still, yeah, I would, I still difficult. Yeah. I imagine it's tough. I wouldn't want to be back at school now. But I, yeah, I definitely get the impression that uh, once you find your group. Think, and there will be more people willing to come out from the from the closet as an earlier stage, maybe because of the way society is now, and how many things. Oh God, the kids must be talking about the things we've just been talking about then, like the games they're playing. So, I think it's maybe it's easier to find your your social natural social group, which maybe some of us to a certain extent have found later through um, yeah. through game through going to event. I mean, you're you're we don't want to keep going on now, but you're I think you're set in issue two. You talk about making gaming friends. Um, by going to events, <laughs> and I think doing that, as I said, I, I think I mentioned earlier, for me was is, is partly how it's become more normal anyway, because people have spent time with our gamers, and I, maybe that's part of it as well. But well, since then, some of them came to the christening, so that was very strange. <laughs> some of them came to Charlotte's christening, so that you know, the, as as top table gamer we call it, the real friends or your normal friends <laughs> met your nerd friends. And there was a there was a point where you know these two people. I think Chris was the kind of in between because you know he'd he'd been to a few events, <laughs> and there was like this point where they joined together, and it was all very strange for about five minutes, and then everyone had a beer and sat down together. And it was like, oh, everyone's just a normal person. 
I think my um, if I got married again now, I think my the people I invited to the wedding would be a very very different list, just because you oh, yeah, you change you change as it goes on a bit. There'll be a lot more gamers there than there would be now. But I think your wed- your wedding invite list is a snapshot of your life, <laughs> and it's you know we look at our we've we've got the picture up of our wedding from ten years ago, and it's just you know some people you never see anymore and some people you do still see but wouldn't get invited and then there's an awful lot of missing people you know yeah yeah and it's like god that's strange isn't that absolutely right well i think we've we've discussed that to the point of exhaustion probably <laughs> people probably switched off already i've enjoyed it very yeah. christmas so that was section 1 <laughs> um but uh, before we let you go Damien, i think um, you've got lots of stuff to pimp at the moment um <laughs> whether it be a magazine we might have mentioned a few times which you may have a new issue coming out soon and you've got battle streams etc etc so uh I'll, I'll yeah to you to to um pimp that's, very, that's very kind thank you um yeah it's a particularly good day for it as well we do indeed have um the issue 10 which i think me and tom were talking about when we're on here is is now done i think it's literally going to the printers tomorrow morning so it's it's a very very exciting day. It's completely finished. Um, so that will be off, and issue ten will be available. You can pre-order it now. Um, if you want, to drop us an email on sbgmagazine at gmail.com. We'll get you all the details. We just had a super super successful kind of Black Friday run, which is really cool. So um, we're getting lots and lots of magazines out to people um, over the next sort of month or so, which is kind of crazy. When when Tom sent me through the to post list. He does all the kind of neat <laughs> emailing people and stuff and chatting to people and all that. And then he sends me this list of, could you pack these up? And I was like, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you need to tell people these are going to be like late January at this rate. So that's been cool. But yeah, we've got a brand new issue out um, that focuses on the return of the king and the Palina fields. It's super, super cool. So that'd be good. And then um, with my other hat from Battle Streams in Middle Earth, um, which is a, a new fledgling YouTube channel. Um, please head on over to Battle Streams Middle Earth on YouTube and give us a subscribe. And today we launched our Fantasy Fellowship campaign at long last, which we've been kind of um, discussing and promoting for the last sort of six weeks, two months, something like that. And the first video finally went up today, so that's super exciting. Um, and, yeah, that will hopefully be rolling out now. That's me and Tom Macklin um, taking our own Fantasy Fellowship. I enjoyed your talk about Fantasy Fellowships in the last in the last episode, greatly. Thank you. Dan, greatly enjoyed Dan's listening to you. a little bit more sensible than mine. A little bit more thought went into it. I was, yeah, I'm not going to lie though. I think it was Stu that described Tariel as a poor man's Legolas, which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not going to lie, I've also picked up on several episodes of some, um, some slightly mean-spirited comments directed towards my kennel. But um, I, th- I think you'll find that my kennel is perfectly reasonably sized. <laughs> um, as you'll see in the next video on our fantasy fellowship series which is the farmer maggots crop scenario but yes yeah, so that was really cool to get that out there so please 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 um we've tried to pull out all the stops with that in terms of editing and lighting and camera work and everything um and voice talent i should say as well we've got some we've got some luminaries of the audio world who might be lending their voices to certain aspects of it um but please head over and um give those videos a like and Drop us a comment because it's it's always great to hear from people. So yeah, I, I believe those are my those are my pimping hats done. Good stuff. Thank well, you for well, the time. I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to my issue ten in in January, and I uh, looking forward to watching the, that first video tomorrow. I was 
didn't watch it this afternoon when you first dropped it, but uh, that will be my work company tomorrow morning, watching that first one. So looking forward to queuing that up. And if anyone hasn't watched the trailer or hasn't, there's no one listening to this that isn't aware of you and hasn't watched that. But we'll pretend that we'll pretend. If there's anyone that <laughs> hasn't, please do head over and, and check it out because it is awesome. Right, thank you very much you. for for giving us your time again, Damien. It's really great to have you. No, on. not at all. It's been an absolute pleasure for this nice super chatting. cheery, festive episode of talking about. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I believe we said at the start, it's cheaper than therapy, isn't it? So. It certainly is. It certainly so, yeah, is. Merry Christmas. Yes, well, thank you very much. Um, right, we, we will head out to a break now, and when we'll come back, we'll come back to our second main topic of this Christmas special. Take care. We'll see you the other side, guys. Hello, welcome back after the break, and we're here for our second topic of the show, Christmas specials, eh? We keep you here longer, <laughs> mainly because you're having one less show this month than you normally would. Um, well, we, we decided to do something a little bit more fun as well for the uh, the second topic. A bit more fun, that sounds really bad. Sorry, Damien, that's, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> a, little, a little bit less emotionally heavy, maybe. A bit more fun than having Damien on. God, he's been begging us for a month. And we finally had to relent. We, are, we, had, we didn't ask him at all. Um, um, he's never coming back on again. He, no, he's never going to speak no, to he, us again. He won't know. He won't know. Even though he's been giving us nice, he gives us nice things, and then um, we, and he's really, really nice to us, and we're just uh, taking a look at him. Um, we thought we'd do something quite light-hearted, but also within the kind of uh, our theme of reviewing stuff, um, and. The, the wonderful Wizards Duel game cropped up in the latest White Dwarf, so we thought, um, well, we'll play it and we'll review it and um, and do what we normally do. It shouldn't take too long, actually, because it's not, not the same as comparing a, an old scenario across three or four different editions of the game and different in, interpretations of it. This should be a fairly quick thing to go through, but we, we've, um, we've played it and we thought we'd cover it. So, Dan, what is Wizards Duel? Well, essentially, it's the the scene uh, either from the book or from more famously the movies where uh, Gandalf turns to uh, Saruman at Orthanc to seek his guidance, and it turns out that Saruman is secretly a pawn of Saruman and uh, shows his true colours, the many colours. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they have a bit of a ruck. So uh, yes, yeah, based largely around that, um, it's from the uh, White Dwarf article. Or five eight, the most current iteration. It has been published once before, mm-hmm. uh, back in the Battle Games in Middle Earth magazines, um, and it is just a, a really fun, snappy, quick way that must be added. Isn't played using would be considered the traditional SPG rules. Fighting that duel. Yeah, absolutely. They they borrow a few little bits, but not much. So it was it was a long time ago in Battle Games in Middle Earth, wasn't it? It was one of the early editions, issue thirteen. Um, I think um, I think we mentioned Damien. We'll just do it again. Um, Damien and Steve played it in on one of their streams. Um, played the old the old version of it. And um, as far as we can tell, we don't think that they've changed. They've just kind of changed the wording around a little bit. But so, like you said, it's that that quite big scene when they had their wizards battle inside Orthanc on those lovely shiny black marble and you can hear the squeaking of what sounds like trainers on a basketball court as always um <laughs> always, always sticks in my head for some reason um but it's it's quite a cool scene and it like you say leads to Gandalf being trapped and imprisoned and um not meeting up with um hobbits in uh, in in Bree um so he was delayed he was delayed, he was delayed. um so but he's all late 
<laughs> he, he wasn't late. No, he wasn't late. He was just delayed. And uh, and Bonham and I hadn't seen him in six months. Um, so what do you need to play then, Dan? So to play the mini game, uh, the White Dwarf comes with a pullout. Uh, well, I say pullout, it's bundled up in a sort of card sleeve with it. Yeah. Um, you get a mat, which has uh, got your playing surface, your tiles, and then you need appropriate miniatures to represent uh, Gandalf uh, the Grey, Saruman the White, and the Palantir. Yeah. Um, handily, the uh, Saruman model, the plastic one, comes with two out of three of those, and most people have a Gandalf. Yes. And uh, then you need a D6, uh, pen and paper, uh, or two different uh, colored D6s for each player. Given that we were playing 100 miles apart from each other, we definitely had different D6s. <laughs> mine weren't in the microwave, though. <laughs> well, it didn't matter if mine was, because you're not rolling them in this game, as we'll, as we'll, as we'll come to <laughs> well, in a short, in shortly. Um, so, yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? The mat you... The game mat you get is essentially it's a fold-out poster. Um, it's A3. Um, and, and then inside you've got a... Um, uh, how many... How much of the board? It probably only takes up half the poster, doesn't it? It sort of looks like black marble with like, um, like lightning Light things running across, running across it. And there's a space in the middle where you place your palantir. And then there's two um, hexagons where you place your... Um, Gandalf and Saruman are opposite sides of the board, and I suppose you should say the whole playing area is a, is a big hexagon with with hexagon grid on there. Um, and you you don't actually need the miniatures to play this either. You really could just write on bits of card, um, or just get some plain bases and write a G on one and an S on the other, and a, and a P on the other one. Well, the planter doesn't move either, so that's just on the game mat. So <clears throat> you could even do without that. We've you know I recently painted up Saruman um, for this game because um, I didn't want to play with an unpainted miniature and I've had Gandalf painted anyway and the, painted up the, the Palantir that comes in the set that Dan mentioned um, and it looks cool, it's really nice to play um, with, the, with the right miniatures but it doesn't affect the game at all, really, really, really doesn't um, you could draw this up yourself as well, I think in Battle Games of Middle Earth it, uh, it was just in the pages of the magazine as well, so maybe you wanted to photocopied it if you were going to not destroy your magazine, at least with this modern iteration, it's a it's a separate poster um, I bet you there's a fair few going around as well, so everyone that bought White Dwarf will have this, and the percentage of people who buy, bought by White Dwarf um, um, probably n- not many of them um, play Middle Earth, so there may even be a few knocking around on eBay. I think you can buy it still on the GW website. For- yep, but it's still in my local Tesco's. This, as as, I'm, as we're recording this, it depends when people are listening to it. My Tesco seems to take them off sale. The ones that they take them off the shelves when the new one goes out. So right up until the the day that the new the, the Saturday that the new one goes out each month. Um, if they haven't sold out, they they keep the other ones left. There always seems to be like one left at the end. Um, so um, they they are around in in. in and chops and things still. Um, if anyone really, really yeah. struggling to get one, then let me know, and I'm sure was, I'll see if my Tesco's has still got one. But um, I'm doing that really good thing of a uh, good radio, trying to find out on the GW website now how many articles <laughs> they've got still on there. If you know what I mean, so you can, how many you can go back. I mean, they've uh, still got yeah. tons on there now. I mean, uh, they've got at least the last ten or so issues on there. I mean, this is a good one to get in terms of white dwarf issues, and we're not we, we didn't yeah. plan to turn this into an article, but there's there's quite a few freebies, isn't there? So if you're into your blood bowl, and um, there's a um, I'm, I'm rustling around now, opening my plastic. There's a squirrel. Sheet. There is a squirrel. Yeah. So we're completely segueing away hey, from cool. anything to do with what we're talking about. But you've got a flyer on Talisman Adventures um, card. There's a 
free combat card for something. There is a... I don't even know what game that's for. What's that dwarf for? That's cool. That's a game there's I don't a, know about. Combat is it? Okay. Uh, stratagem, for stratagem for AT is AT. amazing. There's a Ghost Relic Avenger for the... Um, what's that game? Aeronautica. 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 There we go. There's a Tactics card for Necromunda. And then a Star Player card for Blood Bowl. So if you're playing any or multiple of those games, you're probably worth grabbing hold of that. Uh, it's a specialist probably. games extravaganza. Yeah, it's really good. It's really nice when I do stuff like that. And I've, I tend to keep them with the magazines. I've got loads of those things. I'm not playing those games at the moment. But um, who knows in the future? And I, Blood Bowl's one I might well pick up. And um, if it does, I'll be fishing that card out and sticking it in the box. But anyway, let's get back to the <coughs> topic in hand, which is um, Wizard's Jewel. So we discuss, you know, discuss what you need to uh, play the game. So... What's the objective of the game? So the objective is essentially to m- remove a wizard down from 15 wounds to zero. And that's how you win the game. So they're not actually fighting each other. They're not actually having combat in the in the sense of opposed dice like SPG does. Um, they are pushing each other away and that they are um, crushing each other. Um, so there's two forms of attack, aren't there, essentially? So one is a push, you're moving your wizard away, the opposing wizard away, and one is crush, and crush causes damage. And if you push your wizard into something where they can't move the full push away, so for example, you're pushing them away three and they only move one and hit a wall, the extra two push they would have done away actually causes wounds. So that's your kind of objective of the game, is to cause those wounds um, via using push and crush. Um, so how's the how's the, the turn sequence work, Dan? Well, essentially, uh, you roll for priority. So that is the one instance where you are rolling dice, and that is exactly the same as uh, traditional SVG. Highest wins, or if you roll equally, the person who had it last time gives it over to their opponent. Mm-hmm. Then you make your moves, which is a single move around the hexagonal board uh, across each of the spaces. And, and then you choose your attack and defense, which we'll come to very shortly. And then you execute that attack and defense. So uh, that is basically how the, the, the thing works. Uh, priority, as we've said, works the same way as uh, traditional SBG, both yeah. roll off. And the move is uh, basically moving around the board by one space per turn. Fantastic. So, so it all boils down to um, the attacking and defense powers. Um, and that's how you do what I was describing earlier in terms of your pushing it and your crushing. Um, you have a, a little chart, essentially, where you've got four magical attacks and three different types of magical defense. So if I go through the magical attacks, and I'll let Dan go through the, what the defenses are. So the first magical attack is whack, which gives you three push and naught crush. So that would only push a wizard, the opposing wizard, back by three um, and would cause no damage on its own. The only way it could cause damage is if it hits something that stopped the wizard from moving, um, and then you would cause a crush damage depending on how many um, extra moves it should have done. Uh, number two is slam, which is two push, one crush. Bang, which is one push, two crush, and smash, which is no push, three crush. So you can see the see the pattern there. So a mix, a varying mix of push and crush. And then Dan will go through the defences, and you'll probably, as you hear him read them out, you'll start to sort of see how how it works. Yeah. So uh, you sort of say these at the same time as well. So you know the other one to choose, and you say at the same time. It's, it makes it part of the fun. So the first one is stop which is no push. So basically any push which is noted on the attack is nullified. 
the second one is no, which is no crush, which is exactly the same thing, but for any crush. And then there's shield, which uh, takes one push and one crush off. So any remainder after those would be uh, then inflicted or move made. So that's, that's basically how it works. Is uh, you're dueling and, and basically playing bluff with each other yep. as to which um, attacks and uh, defenses they may make to determine to kick their wounds off. Yeah, absolutely. So you can see that you're kind of you're playing sort of poker with it really trying to work out um, what the other person's going to do and towards the end of the game or in certain board positions when you know you're close to a wall or something you can you can sometimes have a bit more of a guess at the beginning it's it's almost um, pot luck in some ways um, you know if someone needs two wounds to win you'd expect them to do one of the things that might uh, cause to crush or uh, or if you're near a wall at the same time and maybe it's that between crush and whack and they might push you into a wall and cause you crush that way but it's um it's quite fun trying to second guess um, um yes and this is where the priority comes in mm. because uh, if you're sure priority you get to attack first yes which potentially means if you're both on one wound you potentially could kill your opponent before they get to strike you back and potentially kill you yeah we should probably talk I mean, you mentioned it earlier we should talk a little bit about um how you select what you're going to do so you um you obviously roll for priority um, and you do your move um, and then you, in secret, select your attacks, your magical powers, essentially. So, <clears throat> so you can write it down or you can place a counter or a, or a dice on the chart. Oh, we were playing, we can't see each other's boards when we were doing it. So I was just placing a dice on the, the one I did. So I'd choose my magical attack and I'd choose my defense. And then if Dan's one priority, so to speak, um, we were doing it without seeing each other. So we were counting down three, two, and then on one, we'd both shout out. So I'd, he was going first attacking, he would shout out his attack, and I'd shout out my defense at the same time. And then we'd cross reference the two things we did and work out how much damage or push. And that's essentially the way it works. And then I, then I respond. Um, um, and then there's the, the, a final kind of um, element to it is is the plant here in the middle. Dan, what does that do? Which is do? actually pretty big, actually. It's a massive game changer. We mm. found in our game, revealing too much at this stage. Now, I had possession of the Palantir for a lot longer than you did, and it actually really did come in handy. Essentially, what it does is if your caster, your wizard, is in a space next to or adjacent to the Palantir, when... Um, the wizards, basically, if you're defending and you're next to the Palantir, the attacker has to tell you which one of the attacks they're not going to use. So it goes from being a one in four chance of nullifying completely by guessing exactly what they're going to use to a one in three. You're essentially improving your your odds because they're looking into the future, thinking, oh, they're not going to use Smash because they've told you. And that means you can try and do something to nullify Whack, Slam, Bang. Yeah, uh, it really does come in handy. Yeah, absolutely, definitely does. Um, yeah, priority is is big, um, but not as big as that. I'd say. Um, well, priority at the end though, of the game when you've not got when one side's not got many wounds left, it becomes quite. You know, you're thinking, oh, I've got to, yeah. we got, I've got to win priority here because I need to need to strike back before, um, or even push away from the plant here. But um, the plant here definitely gives you gives you two lots of control. I mean, a lot of it depends as well on how good you are at second-guessing what your opponent's going to do. Um, but, um, yeah, I, don't, I think that's it, isn't it, in terms of the, the way the game works? I don't think there's anything more that's to cover there. Um, unless I've no, it, I think it's delightful, though, in its simplicity in that way, because it, it only took us one or two rounds of it to go, ah, cool, we're off and we're away, and we and it's really easy to pick up. 
Yeah, and we, as a, we, this is the perfect game to play in COVID times. Over and we we used um, we are talking over Discord because that's what we used to record. Um, but I filmed it and put mute on my phone. I didn't even bother getting my um, video card and my my good camera out. I just used my um, iPhone and uh, had it on a bracket and pointed it down and. We started a video Good chat. Messenger. So Dan yeah. was looking at the the screen he had for Messenger, and we were just talking over this. There, there's nothing stopping you whatsoever. Just having headphones in and talking over the phone and playing it. We didn't need the the, the other recorder bits. So you could sit there with your white dwarfs, video call your your mate on your on your phone uh, on Messenger uh, or or WhatsApp or any other video calling service you you prefer, um, and. Um, and play the game. It's really, really simple because the board's so small. It's it's, it's so easy as long as the person that's controlling the board um, holds their phone right over it. The other person can see where they are. And it, you could both have a board if you really wanted to keep an idea on the you know where your miniatures are. You just can mirror, mirror make sure each board's mirrored. Um, but really, really simple to play. I also think it'd be really good to play with kids and stuff. Um, I think it's simple enough. And I can imagine Jacob wanting to play. So he'd probably get confused on the rules a little bit at the moment and be awful at it. Um, but um, not he's not too far off at, at six being able to play it. I think you're sort of seven, eight year old on above would love it, especially the shouting part. When I mean, you've got to shout what you're doing, I can imagine, you can imagine it could be really, really fun. Um, should we talk a little bit about our game? Um, I don't know there's much to talk about, really. It's not like a turn by turn, like a game where you can say you've got this objective or that objective, but um, um, um. I don't know what to say about it, actually, Dan. You you won. You were in control pretty much all the way through. You you got me. You were taking wounds quite steadily where I was um, not doing much to you. You were getting rights and um, managing to deflect my uh, attacks quite early on. And then, like you said, you got to the um, the plant in more times than I did. Um, but um, that's yeah. why sort of overall, um, I don't. I can't really put my finger on where or where things would. It's not. As, I don't find it as easy as. Um, <coughs> other games to talk about when you say well in this turn this is where you should have no. done this or that it's sort of because it's a, a board where everything looks the same i can't remember any particular point there would have been a, a term where i should have called something else or something but um it's, it's quite hard to describe but um yeah it was you, you you were ahead the whole time it wasn't a tight game um i took so i don't even know how many wounds i took from you probably about six or seven was it in total seven i had eight remaining no, I managed to polish Gandalf off, but that is the well. We played it thematically because yeah. not only did Saruman win that, uh, he did it by slamming you into the wall. So that is perfectly in tune with the the cinematic experience. He did, he did. I think if we played it a few more times, we'd start to kind of meta the decision making a bit. It just at the beginning, it didn't feel like that to me. I don't know about you; it might just be me on my brain. It didn't feel like there was much in it other than a bit of luck. Because you're, yeah. because at the start of the game, there's not really anything to it. There's no jeopardy to it at the beginning. You're moving in at the same speed, um, especially before anyone's got the plant here. You you can kind of like, well, you could if you can go full on attack just to keep the other person back against the wall. Maybe that's the way to go. But then you try and the, the other the other argument is, well, bluff them and go all crush, and and they get the wounds and. And I think it's just luck, depending on which way your opponent guesses what you're going to do the other way, so to speak. So um, there's a little bit of luck involved there. At the end, you definitely can try and play it out and have a, a bit of tactics in it. 
Um, I think <coughs> the tactics at the beginning aren't as clear to me. I'm sure there are tactics you can do at the beginning, but the tactics at the end seem to make more sense. Especially when maybe I we was... might find that on our second game. We were fumbling through it to begin with. So maybe yeah, that... but yeah, I think we've only played it once. Um, but uh, I think at the end of the game, you could. I definitely felt like you could. Um, there was a point to thinking about what you were doing more, especially when I was down to three wounds or less. When you knew that one, there would be an action on there. That if I picked the wrong one, you could kill me. Um, yes. And there was a point where I was close enough to the wall that you could have killed me in two ways with two of the four um, um, attacking actions. Um, you didn't pick one of those. You picked something else. But, and, and, you know, if you because it was picked between two, I defended against one of those two things that would have killed me outright, knowing that if you picked the other one, I'd have lost. Um, and you went went for the, well, take the time. Because uh, no, you were I, so I far ahead. Long game. Yeah, you, you were yeah. so far ahead. You can go, well, I'll just go in the middle. But I couldn't afford not to pick one of those. Um, exactly. just in case you did so there is a bit more of that but at the beginning of the game it doesn't feel like that it feels like well um, I suppose you could go push early on if someone's against the wall that might be the idea to try and uh, but then if you know that you're defending against push more so I think it sort of varies depending on how close you are to the wall and when you're in the middle distance See, that's between how I the you were going to go with heavy push yeah and you defend against heavy push so I went heavy crush at the beginning and yeah a bit of a on you yeah because i managed to get up for three crush at one point and that's you know it's a fifth of your hit points that's huge yes yeah 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 um so yeah it's it's it could, it's it's second guessing isn't it but that second guess yeah. is is unless you know the person really well which maybe you might know how my mind works a bit but unless you know the person really well so you don't know you don't know what, what level they'll bluff to so um, <laughs> i fancy my chances at poker that's <laughs> and well, we can't see each other's faces either, so that there, there was none of that to it. We couldn't see, we couldn't kind of gauge what people were thinking. I, I don't know how much meta, how much you can meta it. There is clearly a lot of just luck in terms of what you come up against, but it's good fun. And uh, I'd happily play a couple of games of it in an evening every now and then. It's not something I could see myself getting out again and again and again. But um, but that's not what it's designed for. It's just good fun. Might be fun for the Saturday night on a. You know, like a weekender or something. Yes, absolutely. Having a few knocking around. And I may well do that if hopefully Flotsam Jetsam goes ahead. I may well um, make a few boards up. Because um, people can use any miniatures. <laughs> so you do make a few boards up and have well, a knocking around. I'm so still that... tempted to make up a, an actual board. I am really, I really, oh, really like this. And I'd love to make an actual board and do the basing to match and stuff. Well, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Well, I've, I've done that a little bit with, when I, with the painting I did, at least the colour scheme um, for my for my foot ceremony. Um yeah, that would be quite cool actually. It's kind of becomes a nice thing you can almost display those miniatures on on the on a shelf as well. Um I didn't have time. I was going to paint I, was, I didn't attempt to paint up my Kazadum um Gandalf um because I thought it would look better without him with his hat on, but uh it's really not a priority at the moment. So I um decided not to waste a, paint, a, a little bit of time I had painting him and um, at least I managed to get well, it, playing this game for the show made me paint Saruman, who I really don't need at all, but it was nice to get done. It was a beautiful model. And I've made a start on the mounted and, and Greamer as well. Just got some airbrush layers down. Well, I mentioned that earlier in the show. but um, Right. So I don't know if I have any other conclusions, to be honest with you. Definitely one to play with your kids. Definitely pick it up if you haven't. Um, if you've got the Battle Games of Middle-Earth version of it, you, as far as we're aware, it's completely the same. There might be a line or two different in there. So if anyone's spotted anything that's changed, let us know. But we, in my one read-through of each set of rules, I, I didn't pick up on it. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's it's good fun. And if you haven't picked up the White Dwarf, go and, go and grab it. Yeah, for the price of a White Dwarf, I think it's a good little game to play. Um 
To be fair, it's not a bad white dwarf either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I've been telling you to start buying it again properly for a while, haven't I? And I think you might be there. Like, you were multiple. Oh yeah, I've been buying parents. a few more recently. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I buy it through for, for work. I need to know what's just as a bit of a kind of a see what's out and about so I can keep an eye when clients contact me and say I want you to paint this on that at least I've got an idea what they're talking about um, <laughs> that's what happens when you only sort of play one or two game systems anyway we are rambling and it's been a long show so far so let's let's take a break and we'll come back with the final heroic death match of 2020 <laughs> Hello and welcome to another heroic death match. Um, Dan decided this uh, this episode's matchup. Um, the theme, the, the brief to Dan was make it Christmassy, and there's nothing more Christmassy than a big bad wolf trying to eat a man. Apparently, Dan, why do you pick them? Well, I went for the the wolf and the winter cold. Anyone who uh, has watched uh, Three Hundred or read the comic book would uh, understand uh, man alone in the wilderness uh, fighting off a uh, wolf. Plus, it's um, Loosely based these two characters on a period in the Middle Earth history when the Rangers of the North defended the Shire in the winter from rampaging wolves. So it is kind of Christmas time because there's snow on the ground. That's, that's where I went with it. It's the, the loosest possible uh, connection we could possibly have. But it was better than trying to get Tom Bombadil involved because he's the closest thing you get to Santa, really, isn't he? So He is. A lot, a lot. It's not uh, C.S. Lewis, is it, where you actually got Santa? No, well, a lot. I mean, there there is a Yule festival, isn't there? But it doesn't really relate to any of the the the, the game. So um, I I sold you a bit of a hospital pass there, as it were. If I use a, a football terrible footballer term, um, but um, I like teasing you about it anyway because I think it's it's definitely. But nothing more <laughs> heartwarming than the the blood running down fur, warm blood running down fur as a, as a wild wild chieftain rips Halbrad's throat out. Very festive, very, very heartwarming. So um, so do you want to tell us all about Halbarad? So as if he would need introduction uh, to the broader community, but I'll give it a go. So Halbarad is a kinsman, a kinsman rather, or kinsman, a kinsman of Aragorn and amongst his closest and most loyal companions. When Aragorn leaves to join the Fellowship, it is Halbarad that takes command of the Rangers of the Grey Company and is quick to respond to his lord when Aragorn calls for them to fight upon the Pelennor. We're not actually basing this upon that period in history. This is long before that. Um, but there we are. He's Halbrad. He's a man, infantry, hero of fortitude. Move six, fight five, slash three plus. Strength four, defense five with his armor. Two attacks, two wounds, six courage, three might, two will, one fate. He's got armor, sword and bow. He's got heroic accuracy and strike. He has the options of the banner of Arwen Evenstar and a horse. Uh, we're not doing the banner because he unfurls that upon the Pelennor and that's not happened yet. So he is a bog standard, 70 points, Halbrad. Fantastic. And he is facing off against the Wild Wild Chieftain. So uh, tell us about that one, Stu. So he's a big, hairy Wild Wild. Um, and he's the boss, <laughs> <laughs> the, the chieftain of the wild wags that roam the north are ferocious creatures, having asserted themselves as the leader of their pack. Only the very strongest of these beasts can remain as chieftain, for they are constantly challenged by younger wags for dominance. The many scars they possess are a testament to how many challenges to their rule they have overcome. The more they bear, the deadlier they have become. So, as we've already said, he's a wild wild chieftain. He's a wild infantry hero of fortitude at 80 points. He's moved 10, 
Fight 5-5, five, five, Strength 6, Defence 5, 3 Attacks, 3 Wounds, Courage 4, 2 Might, 2 Will, 1 Fate. He has claws and teeth to fight with, as you can imagine. Um, and he has 2 heroic actions, March and Strength. Um, he, his special rules are Terror and Pack Lord. And basically what Pack Lord does is it means that um, friendly wargs benefit from the standfast and heroic actions. Um, but yeah, he's pretty straightforward character there. Um, we were just discussing before we before we kind of started recording now um, how we thought we might match up. Uh, we f- I think we feel that, that the Wild Wild's got the slight edge. Naturally, as I'm playing Halbred. Absolutely. I think that's how you decided which one you um, you wanted to play. Um, and I think you're right. I think as, as much as he's got one might left and doesn't have strike, once you've used that one might... Um, You've um, you need five ups to wound, which is one more than than, than the, the wire is going to need. Um, so that that extra that lower strength is is, is going to hurt you there a little bit. It's, um, I think you you if if you you strike each turn and and get three turns in a row at me, um, that's your that's your chance really. I think. Um, so yeah, I think Halbrand's still got a chance here. I don't think I don't think is this 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 is one of those that's fairly. Fairly tight and could go either way. As much as you probably don't Christmas. think so, it could be a Saturnalia uh, miracle. I think strikes big there, and you've got yeah. three, three mites, so you can do that three turns in a row and make sure you're make sure that you are striking and that's big. And he's you know, I've only got three wounds, so you, um, and you've still got two attacks, so you could potentially, if you win three in a row, you could potentially put in giving me six um strict wounds for me to defend with my three wounds and one fate. So think of it like that. It's not it's not as far off as you think. Um, okay, but um, right, let's fire up the video call um, so we can see our dice trays. I can. Cool. Right. Back in show mode. Right then, so are you striking? I'm guessing you are. Well, I am going to strike up. Right then. Um, what are you going up to? <laughs> fight six. Well, it does the job, doesn't it? We were really equal for fight yeah. before. So you, yeah. do, you don't even need to roll, do you, really? You just, you're above. Um, right then, so here we go. Six high. There you go, and that's yours. Right. Five's the win. Come on. So it's one wound already. So point of fate, sir. Um, shall I do what Damon did the other night and actually leave it to the end for the suspense? Yeah, let's do that. It's real fun. So <laughs> take, we'll, take, we'll take the wound. I like that. It's good fun. Right then, next turn, are you striking again? Strike up again. Mighty fight 10 now. Uh, right then, here we go. Right. Three. I have a six. <laughs> Not availing. Right, so this is where we need it. So I'm looking for fours. Um, I have only one. And I pass my well fate save. There you are. Okay. I have no more fate though. So I'm going to strike up again. A mighty fight ten again. Cool. Right, that was your last might as well, wasn't it? So if yeah, I can survive this, we might be able to take control. A six. Oh, I've got a oh. six, but that's yours. It is mine. No more. Oh, I've got four and a two. I have no more might to boost it. Oh dear. Right. So now, now we're on straight more... rolls. Five. I have a five as well, so do you want to do the roll off? Goes to the forces of evil, unfortunately. Two. Right then, looking fours. None. Oh, all the twos. Three twos. Okay, new round of combat. Five. I'm five high as well. Go on, you do the roll off again. Two. Again, to you. You gotta stop rolling these, you are, I think. <laughs> um, looking for fours. Oh, I have one four. And it's taken a wound, so I'm down to one. 
I told you this would be tighter than you thought. Right, ready. Come uh, on, five. Hey, that's yours. That's... Need the same again. Come on. Oh, six. You got a six. Yeah. Is that the only wound? It's the only wound. Six cool. or two. Cool. So I got one wound, one fate left. So <laughs> next round. <laughs> nice and tight. Oh, I've got a Four. six. I've got a six. Oh dear. Right. Uh, one four, and he's toast, unfortunately. I got two sixes and a five. You, Finishing oh, a flourish. Torn limb from limb. <laughs> that was, that was uh, neck, uh, throat, heart, and then somewhere else that you may choose. Um, nice and Christmassy. Yeah, 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 Blood nothing. in the snow, red and white. Very nice. Bit of tinsel on that. Um, I like, like I say, you were you were a bit more pessimistic than than, than I was about how that might go, and I think um, your strike just helped you out there didn't it and, and did what i thought it would and it was tight that could go either way i think i think it's tight enough he did admirably he did it was good it was it was one of our longer ones it, well in terms of i don't know about in length of time for in terms of recording but in, one of our longer ones in in, in terms of um <laughs> it lasting quite a few rounds which is fun which is good fun anyway um what we'll do is now we'll head out for a break and we'll come back and finally say goodbye after this mega long christmas show And here we are back to uh, close the show down. And I realise that we've got to the end of this episode, Dan. And uh, we've mentioned it's the Christmas special, but at no point have we we said to we said Merry Christmas. Have we we been festive at all? Um, apart from you, <laughs> well, you, you you were yeah you were quite festive when you when you chose red and white as the theme for uh, the heroic death match. Um, uh-huh, but. Uh-huh. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but other than that, no, we 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 haven't. So, but in case we forget, um, please do. If you're listening to this before Christmas, um, please do have a, a lovely Christmas and a lovely New Year. And I'm sure, um, like everyone else around the world, we're hoping that 2021 will will get brighter and, and easier as the uh, as the year goes on. And I'm sure it will. Things are looking looking up. We've got to dig in, dig in for another two or three months. I think. Right then. So before we go, um, I just want to give just another reminder. Damien talked about SPG Mag earlier on, um, so that just a little, just a little plug for him again. I say just, just get in touch with them and order it if you haven't already. Um, if you're considering trying it out, the magazines are brilliant. Um, so um, I th- we'll put a link in the show notes um, for the email address that you can contact Damien and Tom and order your copy. And um, we're looking forward to getting a hold of ours. And um, when we do, we'll do a we'll do a quick review on it or something or something. I'm sure. Um, Dan, have you got anything you'd like to shout out before we let these people go? Uh, just the usual. So um, everybody's putting content out there. Thank you very much. It's definitely making everything easier. The usual, uh, join us at uh, the Legion of Peace for All Gamers uh, group on Facebook. You can just give us a look and uh, give us a like and a follow if you like and uh, come and join us. Uh, as I previously mentioned, we're definitely not meeting at the moment, but uh, when time allows, we'll definitely be back and there'll be some Middle Earth going on and you're more than welcome to come down and uh, give me a game. So yeah, just the usual. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I think, um, uh, as likewise, I'd say that uh, at some point next year, when things start easing up again, um, if you're local to the Gloucestershire area, check out Incon Gaming in Cheltenham. There are lots of local SPG players, and I don't give them a shout out enough. We have an advert in the in the show for the, for the store, but there's a games club there. I say club. There's uh, playing within the store on um, multiple nights when when COVID allows. 
say where if you're local to Gloucestershire and you're looking to get into the game or want to start playing the game, we're just looking for a group to play with. There are enough of us that are based locally that can play there. Anyway, before we let you go, we'll we'll do the usual social media shout out. So uh, please do, um, if you use Facebook, please head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Um, from there, you can uh, join our Facebook group as well. That's private. If you uh, if you're a, a closet nerd, topical for the show, um, you can join our, our Facebook group and you can chat in there, and you, your friends won't see it pop up in your feed. Obviously, if you like our Facebook page, someone might notice that in their feed, which which may out you. Um, you can check us out on and. On Instagram at OOTFP Podcast and on Twitter at OOTFP as well. And if you do want to email us directly, you can at OOTFP Podcast at gmail.com. And please check out our YouTube as well. All the links for all of this is in the show notes as usual. I think we're up to 14 videos or so on the on the YouTube now. A lot of them are very, very short, easy to watch, kind of sort of five, ten, fifteen minute unboxings of things and little stuff. And there's an, and then to the other end of the spectrum, there's like an hour and a half painting tutorial on there as well so uh, lots of different stuff so head over and check that out as well but we'll leave you and say thank you for listening to us during this sort of first full year of us um have a lovely christmas and new year and we will catch you in 2021 Run!